Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jenna Garcia. Yo, what's good? Very good. I saw you taking that sip. I was trying to catch you off guard. I uh, knew you would do that because <laughs> you're very predictable, Ben. I know, that's true. Uh, we're also joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, y'all? And Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Welcome, everybody. We got a hell of a show for y'all today. First of all, we're not talking about the GTA Trilogy Remaster. We don't have access to that yet. Um, but ideally, I'll be streaming it on MinMax's Twitch channel on Thursday. So if you're watching or listening to this early, you can check that out. All the archives go up on YouTube, by the way, the unlisted stuff for solo streams. But that's where that's going on. Kyle, are you looking forward to that GTA Trilogy and San Andreas on Game Pass and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get it on Switch. And we talked about it. I'm going to play Vice City. I'm going to try to beat Vice City because I've never beaten Vice City. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. Although, like, we're talking about it the other day and I feel like Janet and Sarah, you both are like, you're getting that on Switch? Are you nuts? Why would you play that on Switch? But, like, that's the fun thing. It's weird. To me, it seems like a PC type game. Yeah, I know. But, like, it's going to be charming to play a game like San Andreas on the Switch. It's like that fun novelty. I'm not trying to run this thing in 4k like the point isn't for it to look good so at that point put yeah, it on the a, switch it's a playstation 2 game you guys know this, right? <laughs> there's They're just there's just games. some games that i inherently i feel like i need to be sitting at a desk for right and i think sure. it, for some reason that's one of them weird and the, yeah, yeah and then some games i can see myself like on a couch reclining playing on my switch it's weird there's no, like a separation I- I, I see what you're saying, but like I like the Liberty City stories and Vice City stories on PSP. Like those were I played so much of that on PSP. Like I, I love g- that that game as a handheld. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay, but that's not just what we're not going to be talking about in this episode of the podcast. We have some good things to talk about as well. We're going to be talking about Elden Ring. Kyle, show us your hands. These hands, ladies and gentlemen, have played Elden Ring, and they're shaking. They can't stop shaking. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Animal Crossing big update. We're going to be talking about Jurassic World Evolution 2. Dinosaur Sim! Uh, Then some great community questions. And in the back half of the show, we're going to be joined by Matt Winter. A name you might not know, but you should! Uh, Matt Winter was a generous donor during our big Extra Life stream. He donated to charity to Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare in St. Paul, Minnesota, so that he could be on the MinMax Show podcast. So this is a very, very generous person. Also, I don't know anything about this person. It might be chaos. We don't know what the back half of the show is going to be like, but when they're this generous and they're helping support a children's hospital, they have to be good. So look forward to that in the back half. Um, and for anybody seeing this for the first time, yeah, I um, ended up shaving my head for charity for Extra Life as well. We streamed for 25 hours, kind of broken up into different chunks where Game Informer kind of tackled a chunk. I tackled a chunk. And then we had the final leg, the final eight hours. It was in the MinMax studio. Um, and it was like myself and Leo and Ben Reeves from Game Informer and then Jeff Cork. Formerly of Game Informer, Joe Juba, Blake Hester. It's kind of a rotating crew just staying up all night and... Uh, it was super fun. You can find that full archive on YouTube. But we ended up raising over $52,000 for Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare. So thank you so much to everybody who tuned into that stream, who donated. Um, we gave out codes to people who donated as well. So Ben Reeves is finishing that off, but they should all be out the door. And your auction items are in the mail, everybody. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your donations. That was super fun. And thank you uh, to Andrew for donating $2,000 for me to cut off my curly locks and then not only that kyle we cut off the the massive hair and then put it on jojuba's head uh on his gross bald head just to get nasty for the kids you know 
Are you, should you really be saying gross bald head at this point, Ben? Like, this just seems <laughs> like those who live in glass houses should not be yeah. throwing stones. Optional bald heads. <laughs> okay, we have a community kick- kickoff question here. We took one question from the back half of the show, drug it towards the top. This is from Brandon Loveseed. You love to see it. He says, what is a gaming quirk or habit you just can't get rid of, even if it doesn't make any sense? For me, it goes back to Mario RPG, which had timed attacks where if you pushed a button at just the right moment, your attack would do more damage or you could do another jump. I do this in pretty much every game, even though it doesn't do anything. I love that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I think mine is a similar thing where, like, I learned playing Pokemon Red and Blue the fact that if you hold B and up, that you have a higher chance of catching Pokemon when you're catching them in the Pokeball. And even though that's nonsense... I still instinctively do that when playing Pokemon games. It's like, well, got to hold being up. It's just like this fun, nostalgic, empty gesture for me. But does anybody else have any weird gaming quirks they can't get over? Saving and then immediately saving yes. one more yeah, time. Yes. Oh, so that the save really takes. And then having like a bunch <laughs> of save slots. It's also at the, it's funny because it's like, I'm not trying to get rid of this quirk. I think this is an insurance policy for me at this point. And it, drives me up the wall when I see people playing and they, they have unlimited save slots and they're only using <laughs> one. It's just, it's horrific. No, God, why? I, I don't know. I don't want to think about it too much. I don't want to, I don't want a big list. It gets confusing. I just want the one place I need to but go. But it's nice because if you ever go back to that game, you can be like, oh, I liked chapter four. I want to see what that thing was I like I always again. say I'm going to go back like in case of emergencies. Right. And then I never do. But I have like 20. I have, I do one per chapter is how I usually organize my saves. That's smart. Yeah. But my... I, I was like a save insurance person. And then I played the Resident Evil 2. And at the end of the game, it was like, you have, you did 60 saves. And I'm like, and it shamed me for it. It was yeah. like, you, huh. I can't believe you saved 60 times. Like, oh, what were you so scared of? And it's like, excuse me, um, like, don't shame me for, <laughs> you know, the fact that I have saved like twice because I get a little scared. So then whenever I got scared, I would save. So there's 60 saves. That is a very specific gaming thing is save shaming. Like, mm-hmm. I always think of like Psycho Mantis and Miller Grisal, like, oh, you save often. It's like, yeah, what, what of it, bud? Like, come on. <laughs> My quirk, this isn't like a button quirk, but is like picking everything up. Even if I know I don't need it, if I can pick it up and put it in my pocket, like I will. Yeah. So my just have my inventories are always a mess. It's always horrific what goes on in my inventory, but I can't like I literally cannot stop. And it's just fun to pick things up in games. I think that's what it, it is. Comes down in, to, right? in Skyrim, you walk around with like twenty cheese wheels. Do I need them? No, but they were there, and right. I took it. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, I was gonna say like checking my phone during cutscenes, even if it's a cutscene <laughs> I'm like really engaged with and want to see what happens, I'll still instinctively pick up my phone. Oh, uh, that's when I want to break. I also have um, one of the pro Xbox controllers that has like the four paddles in the back. Yeah. And I've, I've never <sighs> turned them on. I've never used them, but I constantly rhythmically click them. I'm sure my wife loves it. I'm sure she thinks it's just the most charming thing in the world. Just click it, click it, click it, click it. Oh, God. I'm totally with you. I have a, a Wolverine Ultimate controller from Razer, and like the thumbsticks come off, and so I will take it up and then yep. just slowly yeah. rotate them around. Like controller fidgeting is really <laughs> yeah. another unsung part yeah. of the game industry. Okay, there yeah, we go. The, the magnetized control sticks, like I'm, I don't know why. I don't know how I have not lost them yet. It's insane. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place in the end of the long cutscene. All right, there we go, Brandon. Thank you so much. All right, Kyle. Let's get to this. Kicking this off in style. 
The Elden Ring, the big game. You got to play the technical test early. Uh, a select few people mm-hmm. uh, are able to play this coming weekend. Congratulations if you made it through the door before it slams shut. You made a video, Kyle. You can check it out on Minmax's YouTube channel if you want to see kind of some actual footage of, of Kyle's journey through this game. But I don't know, yeah. Kyle. What you, biggest takeaway? What do you got? Give me, give me some Elden Ring juice here. Oh, biggest biggest takeaway is that it is i mean i guess i i i'm like michael bluth taking the dead bird out of the refrigerator where i'm like oh this is a lot like dark souls <laughs> like i don't really know what i expected i guess i i thought it was going to be closer to sekiro i think i thought maybe that was their new trajectory but it is like it to to a point to the point of it being disappointed in the opening like 10 minutes where you're going through the tutorial you're in a cape you're not in the open world you walk around it looks and feels like dark souls and then, and I was to the point of me being almost like a little disappointed. But then, then you step outside, which is like in in the the technical beta. It's like an elevator that lifts you outside. Okay. And then, then you get that moment where you're like, oh, okay, this is what makes this separate from Dark Souls. Is that it truly feels like you could go in any direction, and it really feels open. And there's things in the distance that look like you can go explore and see. And it's it's very cool. It's really exciting to see to feel that way in a from software game. Yeah, like I saw from gameplay that there's like telescopes around the world. And look, I know you can't attribute everything back to Breath of the Wild, but it is like it kind of gives you weird Breath of the Wild vibes where you're like you're looking through that telescope and just seeing things on the horizon you want to get to and stuff. Like, did you even in this like this little slice, did you feel like that sense of discovery happening? Yeah, I did. Like more so than I expected. Expected in a, in a weird way because yeah. I was like I, I jumped into the open world and I was like oh I you know this will probably just feel like long walks to different places mm-hmm. but yeah you can buy the telescope from the nearby merchant who looks like Santa Claus weirdly and <laughs> and then I didn't find any telescopes like in the world I just had one in my pocket that oh, I could okay. look around with which and uh yeah you doubt you see stuff in the distance and you're like what is that and the and the thing is since it's from software game everything you're seeing is like horrifying and Mm -hmm. scary and weird you see these like gigantic they look like titans from attack on titan like dragging carts with this like huge group of enemies behind them i mean these are all things i said in my video so i'm sorry if i'm reiterating but like there was one instance where i just saw like a tortoise and then like i looked over to the right with my telescope and there was just this mass of tentacles that just and i was like and i could go fight it i guess i didn't want to i was scared of it there was there was another instance where i found this giant plant that was like it, it looks like it's almost shooting lasers down on you. It, like, throws up this pollen, and then these, like, magical spikes will start, like, shattering around you. And that was just something I saw in the distance and went and checked out. I'm really excited to see, like, everybody that can jump into the technical test jump in. There's to try and poke around and find the level of secrets that they're packing in here because it's like, okay, you got the open yeah. world. They're trying to, like, they guide you to, towards, what, you can go to the castle to kind of do the critical path yeah, that's if you where the want boss to. is yeah yeah but then there's also just catacombs scattered around with like optional boss fights and they aren't like the big things but kind of the smaller ones but there's just weird looking stuff like i forget if it was game informers video or easy allies video but they had like this boss fight and it was like this mechanical cat looking toy thing that was called the burial tree oh, watchdog it just looks absurd so i if they keep this level of discoverability like going throughout every region of the game and every area like this is a cool new aspect for for from software and the overall games here i mean they're 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 really good at making interesting enemy and boss designs so if that's your reward for exploring right. is just seeing crazy stuff like 
That's cool. That's a great reward for exploring. Just finding this thing that will murder you instantly that looks crazy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sarah and Jana, did you two watch that uh, the Elden Ring presentation last week? I watched the 20-minute gameplay yeah, video that right. they released. And I was, like, also initially struck by how much it looked like Dark Souls. I was like, oh, I could, like, do, like, one-to-one this area of this map looks just like this area of the map. But then I was like, wait a second, that's fine. Because I like Dark Souls, and it looks really cool. <laughs> but I was surprised... It seemed like they were using a lot of, like, magic in the combat, which I didn't do at all in Dark Souls 3. Interesting. It, like, it's a little complicated. So did they make it, did they change it? Did they make it any easier? Um, I mean, I'm with you in that, like, I've never been a magic user in any yeah. of their games. Um, but there was, there. I like, I, I, de- I did kind of, like, the default sort of stuff. Like, I went with, like, this, the first, I, I forget what the class was called, but it was just, you had two swords. And um, but you're like it's defaulted to left trigger to give you this like sort of long range wind attack that you mm. can use. Which like, like if I had picked my class or in Dark Souls, like I probably wouldn't have ever gone down a path to unlock that. But it was handed to me at the beginning, and it ended up being very useful. So I think even like the non magic classes are going to have more specialized attacks. And then of course there's like the summons and the spirits, yeah. which I embarrassingly like did not dig into because I just didn't really. It doesn't tutorialize them. It doesn't tell you how they work unless unless I just missed the place. Like, you could totally miss unlocking the horse. Like, really? Just by not hitting that. Yeah, like, there's a checkpoint that you have to sit down at, and this woman comes, and she and she tells you how to use your horse, and she gives you an item that you have to equip. But, like, I totally could have bypassed that checkpoint. It was just, it's basically like a bonfire, you know, I, I, that I might have missed. Yeah, I mean, that is the wild thing, too, is I guess like, oh, there's also that big scary horse boss that you can completely miss if you just don't go to the right in the beginning or something like in Game Informer's video. They were talking about that, like just that idea of, okay, you can miss some of these huge things. But I mean, that horse seems like the biggie here, right? And you were in love with its name, Kyle. Yeah, Torrent. It's a very good good name for a horse. Very good one that you can just instantly summon. Yeah, Yeah, the horse. Yeah, it, it wasn't like it didn't feel like this game changer really to me. it felt more just like yeah because I, I, what i was doing was i was like i would get on the horse and there's not not really a ton of incentive to stay on the horse once you find a group of enemies like you can, can fight, you fight from the back the horse? of your horse oh, okay you no, can you, yeah you can okay but i just found it and maybe it's just me sort of like feeling like i should be playing a dark souls game that once i got to a group of enemies i jumped off and then i would fight them like i normally would so it was more just like a point a to point b speeder upper <laughs> but there are there are bosses that are, you know, on horseback. Like, you can fight other enemies on horseback and stuff like that. And it can double jump, too, which is nice. Because your jump is pretty small. And there were actually a couple of occasions where I was trying to get up a cliff, and I summoned Torrent and double jumped and then say, all right, you're good. You can you can go back to your void or wherever you hang out. Okay, can you do like a I Yoshi jump I saw that it can off. take damage. Is that true? It can die. What? No! Yeah, but you can use it. It's not called an uh, an Estus flask, but it's functionally the same. Yeah, you can use one of those to bring torrent back. So if you lose okay. torrent, you can you can bring it back, or if you just go sit at a, a bonfire. They're not called bonfires this time, but they're functionally bonfires, and torrent will be back. Right. You right. mentioned going from like point A to point B. Do you get how clear is the sense of what beelining this looks like? Like, how did you go about traversing the world? Like, what was your game plan, and to what degree did the game design itself inform that decision for you? So it's got a good map, and you can fast travel every time you find a bonfire. And occasionally, 
like sparks will kind of fly from the bonfire and they'll fly in a very specific direction. Saving and grace, that was please, Kyle. Towards the boss. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> and there's there's a lot more of them, by the way, and there's more checkpoints too. Ooh. Like the few bosses I encountered were set up in such a way where you did not have to do that Dark Souls sprint past five enemies to go try the boss fight again. To the point Which that... Which I, I look forward to being hailed as this innovative thing that games have been doing for decades, but Dark Souls didn't do, and everyone was like, well, now Dark Souls does it, so it's cool. I bet there will be a lot of people, though, that are like, that is that is the core, is like making those boss runs again and again. And I bet there's going to be people that are... You know, I don't know if they'll go full-on Elden Ring is baby mode from software, but it's inching in that direction? In a friendlier direction? It does seem easier. The tutorial was like remarkably easy because it throws you against a, a boss that's really just like a um, just like a slightly <coughs> excuse me a slightly stronger version of an enemy you'd already fought, and I and I beat him in one try, and I, and I was like, this this feels easy, and the fact that there's a checkpoint right outside the fog gate, this like it feels easier. But then yeah. then you go out in the open world. I got slaughtered by a giant guy on a horse. It took me forever to to beat uh margit the fell omen who's like the main boss of of the demo and so that and and uh dan tack at game informer were chatting about it a little bit he he even agreed that 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 introductory boss that margit the the fell omen the first like true boss of the game yeah did feel harder than most introductory bosses in from software games so I, there's like some instances where it seems like it's a little easier but then some instances where it's going to be a little harder i think the summons and that kind of thing will will help a lot more I, I wish I'd kind of dug into it more because I, I really I didn't engage with the mechanic at all. Right, right. That seems like a colossal mistake. <laughs> it's the big new well, thing. I mean, you could say that, sure, but like, I you can play however you want. Like, yeah. Maybe you want that challenge of not using that mechanic. Maybe you want a like something that feels closer to the Dark Souls you're familiar with. Like that's totally available to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting in that presentation how we streamed a reaction to that whole thing. By the way, if you want to check it out on YouTube, but. uh it's interesting how they seem to be, at least in that presentation, very much siloing things out for like, hey, Sekiro fans, here's their Sekiro section where you're jumping down and assassinating all these guys. Hey, Dark Souls or Demon Souls fan, here's the section in the castle where you're kind of slowly inching your way through. And then also, here's this open world on top of that. It seems like they're trying to corner all their markets for a little bit for everybody, including people who really were into that pot boy uh, <laughs> from... Do you, okay, so it was like... Well, specifically Kyle, right? <laughs> well, so it was really weird. It's just bizarre <laughs> that, like, the internet grabbed onto, like, four frames a while ago of this pot creature from a trailer a while back. And then, like, the fact that in that presentation, it's like, oh, boy, we can back it up with the goods because we have got <laughs> this, uh, I don't know, two-minute-long conversation of this guy stuck in a pot just talking to you. We have got pot weirdos on lock with Elden Ring. And it's a good lesson for the internet. It's a, it, it does a very good job. I think being open world almost lends to it more because in Dark Souls, you kind of know when you're coming up against a friendly NPC. Mm. Like there's like little cues that like, oh, this, this person, I bet I can go talk to him. Okay, I can. Here, the, the, I don't recognize the cues yet. So there were a lot of instances like that, that pot guy who I didn't encounter, but I saw in the, in the demo, like, I would have assumed that guy was an enemy and I would have approached very slowly. Like there was a guy under a bridge uh, looking at a dragon in the distance that I was sure was an enemy and I was creeping up behind him, <laughs> creeping up behind him. And then I got close enough and then the talk prompt came up and I was like, oh, 
oh, let's have a conversation. And he was like, oh, yeah, see that dragon over there? That thing is strong. Don't mess with that thing. I was like, all right, thanks, dude. But then as to the world... <laughs> sorry, building, I almost killed you. Hopefully you didn't catch that. That's the state of being a tarnished in this world, Kyle. It adds to the whole element. Yeah. You can't trust anybody. Everybody's out to get you or whatever. I saw there was somebody... I forget if it was Or on, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if it was in Discord or on YouTube, but someone's like, please, Kyle, when you talk about it on the podcast, don't spoil anything about the story. Like, in this slice, is there a lot of story stuff happening? Do you feel like you could spoil some George R. R. Martin big haymakers or anything? I don't think I could if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I I mean, the story has always kind of been buried in the sort of item descriptions and, and things like that. So, yeah, I have no sense of what makes it feel maybe more like a George R. R. Martin story. I, I have no clue. I don't know what a tarnished is. I don't know what's happening in that world. Well, do you know what Margaret the Fellowman wants? To not g- go past them. That's that's <laughs> basically what I got from that conversation. She was, or he was like, you know, just give up, tarnished. Like, you don't need to do this anymore. And then I eventually killed him. And he's like, all right, you got some chops. As he was like, you know, floating away into dust. <laughs> Thank you for releasing me. <laughs> Uh, Janet and Sarah, do you think you both are going to play this thing when it comes out? Yeah, yeah I'll definitely just, check it out. Just for the culture of it, at least. The yeah. only Souls thing I've done is Demon Souls, and I did that with the help of an internet that has played that game a million times over and can tell <laughs> yeah, me exactly yeah. everything I need to do, and then people just, like, spawning in to just carry me through and yeah. giving me magic dragon eggs to revive my crummy body. So <laughs> I don't really know what to expect in this, and it's funny because a lot of people are who are newer to, I think, like, this type of game or FromSoft, like, can't wait to be in on the ground floor. And I am a little bit excited of what that experience is like and, like, what is it like to go in without really knowing anything. But I'm also, like, I don't <laughs> I don't know how well it's going to go. Because I remember trying Bloodborne for the first time and traveling maybe, like, 12 feet and just being really confused, never booting it up again. But I also think <laughs> I was a lot less interested slash involved in what i do now like i'm a very different player and i have a very a whole different career now and all this other stuff but you're on a playstation I'm, podcast with kind of funny yeah, yeah you i'm have very to. curious what this vibe will be uh, i have no idea i agree with janet because like in my opinion like life is hard enough and especially with dark souls 3 i was also kind of like shepherded through it by the internet and by people who wanted to help me because i did the beginning by myself and i was like this is great but like this is this is a challenge, as it should be. Yeah. So I like to do what I call like walking tours of the Dark Souls and Elden Ring games, where like I bring people in, and we kind of like do the bosses together, and then I can kind of like do everything else by myself. But I like a more relaxed. I like the environment, you know. But I do think life is hard enough, and it's okay to ask for help. <laughs> you like to okay. <laughs> so if we could have like a discovery tour equivalent of the From Software yeah. worlds, that's yeah. your ideal video game. Like, yeah, for me, it's like a, a guided tour. And for them, it's like an escort quest. Because <laughs> it's like, if I die, if my if I somehow, which I was very bad at, like, if I don't block something and I die, then we all get kicked out. And then we got to do it again. Right, so, right. <laughs> That's like the worst feeling I, when you're that person who, like, ruins it for everybody. Or, um, and there's so much fun I had in, in my time with Demon Souls where I had a lot of people in my community come through. And that a lot of times, you know, I would be the one who fell or like, I'm like waiting in the back. I'm like, everyone go ahead. Because like, if I die, I bring the whole team down with me. But then I also had the inverse happen sometimes where I'm fighting a boss and, you know, I'm rolling around a two times and I look around and I'm like trying my hardest. I'm like, wait, where's, where's Eddie? 
was that and then you know he's in the chat he's like oh i died already i'm like what you left me out here by myself it's like my mom left me at the grocery store at the <laughs> checkout counter and i'm like oh my god i'm fighting like two create why are there two bosses and it's one boss i don't know i feel like that's not fair i only came with well actually i brought people too but that's not the point we're not here to discuss me <laughs> right 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 now but um also like what how would you describe like the speed and the movement uh kyle like compared to like the other Can games we roll really fast all the time uh, no, that's why I like Sekiro is my favorite from game because it's the fastest. You don't have um, to worry about stamina. You just sprint forever and roll forever. This which is, is why why it's my favorite one. This one, I mean, it it sounds dismissive, Janet, but it's Dark Souls. It's not like yeah. It's this. It feels identical, like maybe to a fault. Like even the upgrade screens look the same. It it all is functionally the same. It's Dark Souls with three with a names. a jump button. Yeah. Yes, the jump button is unique and the open world is unique, but otherwise it feels identical to a Dark Souls game. And I'm sure there are, are super fans who can point out a lot of minute differences. But oh, yeah. I mean, my in, my initial impression was like this, this the way the characters move, the speed, the roll, it, it feels like Dark Souls. Okay, so biggest takeaways from your time playing the game. It's more Dark Souls 3 than you think. Open world is maybe more interesting than you think. Anything we're missing? Or is that Elden Ring? No, the open world is like... That's really enticing. I, that is the thing that like really blew me away, and I I want to see what From does with an open world. Like it it feels like they're doing something special and cool, as opposed to it just being like, yeah, it's Dark Souls, but we took out we we, we eliminated the idea of paths, right? Because Dark Souls and and you know all the From games are basically a series of paths that are interconnected, right? And it feels like they did more than just remove the the walls, so to speak. It feels like a truly open world that's worth exploring. That's the thing I'm I'm most excited about. And like, I after playing, like my excitement has risen a lot. Because oh, good. Of that. Nice. Like I, like I like From Games. I was I was planning to play it, but it wasn't like I I barely feel like it exists. You know, like it's it, it, we joked about it so long it's not even being a real game. I, I that's Jeff to finally actually play a little bit of it. Like made me go like, oh, this is this is really cool. I want to see more of this. Like this, the taste really it worked for me, and it's got me very excited to play it next year in a big way. Nice, yeah. That's uh, February twenty fifth, everybody, twenty twenty two. So soon. Well, it's come soon. You can play it on your Steam Deck, uh, which just got yes. delayed, so that's coming out February as well. That'll be a nice nice pairing. I bet that's going to be a lot of people is they'll be playing this on their Steam Deck. That'll be the big the big cultural moment of February twenty twenty two, which will be nice. Were you bummed about that Steam Deck thing, Kyle? Uh, no, I wasn't bummed. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I'm disappointed. I want to play it sooner rather than later, but I don't see it as this, as this heartbreaking thing. I'm not at a loss for games to play, you know? Yeah, right. Like the week that I got my Steam Deck and that order actually went through, I was like, oh, I can't wait to play that thing. And I have barely thought about it. Every once in a while, it's like, oh, yeah, that that thing's coming this year? That seems crazy. And it turns out it was crazy. It's coming like- next year. A little bit of my reaction too is like delayed to February, and I was like, "Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was already 2020. <laughs> I wasn't even paying that close attention." Right, right, right. Uh, okay, on the other side of the happy world, uh, we have Animal Crossing. What do you call this? Animal Crossing 2.0 plus Animal yep. Crossing Happy Home Paradise for the DLC yep. here. Okay. To compare it, it oh says this, the base game was Animal Crossing Dark Souls, and this is Animal Crossing Elden Ring. Right, that's a great way of putting is, it. Is what we've come sure. about to. Smart, smart. Okay, so you two are super fans. You've been diving in. Uh, Janet has decapitated Isabel because she will not be ignored. <laughs> she wasn't responding to her requests for comfort. Uh, what do we all think? Is this everything y'all wanted? No. Oh. <laughs> 
in the sense that I want so much more. And I'm really sad that this is the end of the updates. Um, but it's great. Like it is. And, you know, me and Sarah talked about this a bit when on, on New Show Plus this week and just probably for the rest of our lives. I think it's pretty fair mm-hmm. until the yeah. next game comes out. Mm-hmm. But there's so much left to be desired. Um, but for what's there, I am really enjoying. And I feel like, you know, we were talking about this as well, like how much game time we're going to get out of this. I think I easily will get another year of really quality playtime from the update and the DLC, uh, which I also purchased. And that is coming from like just mainly the request from other villagers about like, make me a house that's yellow. Like that type of stuff? Or like, what, what do you think is padding out the playtime for you now? I would say the variety of like the additional tool set that allows for more creativity on your home island. So a okay. lot of or your base island, like a lot of the game is dependent on your own interests. Like you can find thousands of hours or you can find like 30 and you're done and you're like, you know what? KK came to town. And it's all good. And that's like how some people play it or like I finished the Critterpedia and it's all good. <laughs> and for me, I, I hey, want oh. my like dream island. So, yeah. so Sarah, are you saying that my island is not a dream island? Because you visited I'll never it. forget when you looked at me and you said that the credits rolled on KK Slider and you thought you were done with the game. <laughs> like, uh, are you kidding? No, no, no. I, it felt you like just it, started the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I put in over 100 hours in Animal Crossing. Like I did my time and then... Uh, I the- find that hard to believe. <laughs> How dare did you, you spend it cutting down trees Here's, on your island? Okay, I watched that stream. So for New there Show Plus, they, the they went and checked out uh, my island and a bunch of community islands and stuff, Kyle, and it was just a roasting of my island. Here's, here's what happened <laughs> with this barren wasteland of an island where you're like well, let me know it looks like the original animal crossing there's nothing happening here <laughs> what it was was that i was moving everybody's house and so that barren wasteland was where everybody's house used to be but i wanted to get them into one cool unified front row line and then even you two saw that and you're like oh they put all the villagers in a line that sucks I was like, it's oh. like prison you might as well just put them in cells <laughs> it was very like suburbia but there's no other side of the street right just like <laughs> right then you do so much outside animal crossing i'm like this tracks like no way you're doing all this stuff for the show and then the islands also like something had to give right yeah. the house was nice though thank you yeah i like re- your earth cosplay thank you i recreated Eris house in animal crossing a long time ago you can tell when this game came out which was at peak hype for final fantasy 7 remake so i've been living in Aerith fantasy in my wasteland covered in cockroaches now Wait, so is your house also gigantic and weirdly, like, in the middle of an otherwise, like, dilapidated society? No, where his, no his well, that, part, like, that part's correct. A bit. Yeah. The only one with flowers right. is your house, or any kind of, like, basic landscaping was Ben's house. Well, look, if every well, you, house... You nailed her house in Final Fantasy VII Exactly. Then, if every her, house in Final Fantasy VII had flowers, then she wouldn't be special. She wouldn't be a little flower girl anymore. It'd just be <laughs> another weirdo with a cool house, you know? It has to pop. Um... Yeah, but Sarah, are you, you digging this update so far? Yeah, it's. I feel like it's very bittersweet because they're like, here's the first big Animal Crossing update, and they're like, also, it's the last one. Yeah. So, like, they, I'm making a farm, I'm crafting food, there's like 9,000 new items, my villagers all have new dialogue, there's new villagers, like, I have total control over, like, what my house looks like, and the DLC's adding a bunch of additional design features, and you're like, this is great, I love it. But now, like, when this is done, it'll be another, like, seven to ten years for the next Animal Crossing. Yeah. It's wild. And to think of, like, what they sold over, what, 30 million copies of Animal Crossing? I forget the exact number, but it's certainly up there. And it's Mm -hmm. just that bizarre Nintendo mode of, like, we're going to give it one big update. 
Goodbye. It's like, do you know how many people are playing this game? Everyone else is clawing to get to a living game and Nintendo could not be bothered. Yeah, this is the this is the like the live ops game. Like this is the one game you can maybe do a little bit of live ops work on. But there's like something at Nintendo and I just feel like they don't like Animal Crossing as much as like their (laughs) other IPs. Interesting. Because like Smash got that 60 minute direct for one character and the Animal Crossing direct was like 20 minutes. Uh, and I was like, uh, we could give this a little more love, I think. Like, I want to talk to the developer. I want to interview the developer of Animal Crossing. That is true. They could show more developers, you're right, instead of just showing off the features. But, like, the Sakurai Direct was also kind of, like, you know, a big tip of the cap for his entire career and stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about... <laughs> we'll get back to Animal Crossing, I swear. But I was thinking more just about, like, Smash Age Brothers... Yeah, I've been thinking about Age of Empires 4, y'all. Have you checked this out yet? It's very good. People are talking about it This is the first time I'm hearing about it. Oh, yeah, you're going to check it out. Um, No, but I was thinking about, like, how with Smash going dormant now for a little bit, like, what Nintendo's going to do. And, like, I really am becoming more and more convinced that they have a new Mario Kart in the wings. Obviously, I don't know anything. Nobody on Earth does. Even developers don't know what they're working on over at Nintendo. But, like, I'm convinced that, like, they're going to try and mirror this Smash rollout and hype excitement with the new Mario Kart. And it'll be, like, obviously what they're inching towards with Mario Kart 8 of having Link and Isabelle and stuff in there. And that's what they're going to do is, like, just have the big character reveal be the big moment for this new Super Smash Brothers of the Mario Kart world. Because, like... Yeah, Smash but, is great, but part but, of it's but just... then like, again, dude, I mean, Mario Kart 8 is now the best-selling Mario Kart ever. Like, right. as of, what, like, two weeks ago? Like, yeah. I outsold the Wii version? Like, if I'm at Nintendo, like, that, that, is, that is the opposite of an incentive to make Mario Kart 9, right? It's like, this one's... Everyone's still buying this one. What's our rush? I think, you know? I think that the incentive would be... That game's a little old in the tooth, especially because it's a Wii U game. And I really... And to be clear, I want Mario Kart 9. Like, yeah. I want them to make it. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit, you know? But don't you think that at least half the people that have that Mario Kart would get a new one? If they see some new one that has, like, Inklings going up against Donkey Kong or just... I guess that's kind of basic Mario well, Kart. I guess that's a better now. And it would have, like, cameras and, like, a physical car. Ooh. Ooh. You know, I, I I bring that up because I wonder if they feel like they've released a new Mario Kart. Like they're like, That's yeah, we interesting. You got a new Mario Kart like a year ago. I what do you guys think? I don't oh, know. Oh man, is this I think the, they would. The, like, I think they would answer yes. The car through yeah. the cast type of thing. Mario Kart Live Home Tour. Yeah. Yeah. I think called they're going to expand Kart. on that. I think they're going to try and expand that a little bit because I think yeah. now it's just Mario, right? Like that's the only. Like, I'm character. Luigi. Yeah, yeah and Lu- I think they're going to expand on it. Yeah, I was really surprised they didn't have Peach, but I don't know how well that sold. And like I, yeah, I liked it. Like I thought it was good. Like I reviewed it for IGN at the time. But the number one reason that I don't play it anymore, other than the fact that I played it really intensely for the review, um, in which I, in my mind, I'm like, this would be a great time to have a video team and not me who does not know how to use a camera in my house because of the pandemic. Um, but my big issue with it was just like the maintenance of the cart. Like I have an apartment that I share with a bunch of people and I have a pet and like the amount of debris and hair that like clogged <laughs> up those wheels. And maybe it was just me. Cause I didn't see any other reviewers mention this. And they're like, yo, maybe you just need to sweep your house. And I'm like, look, mm-hmm. I sweep, I have the like little bootleg Roomba going around. This is my lived experience. But if you've seen it, Janet's so animal crossing, yeah, if you've seen her animal crossing Island, you know that she does not have the time to take care of her actual home and sweep it and get the cockroaches out. She has a beautiful Island to keep up. 
Can't expect yes. too much. I'm sorry. Animal Crossing still good. Uh, Sarah, I remember uh, when we did the deepest dive on mm. Animal Crossing New Horizons. I think you were the one that were like, eh, give me time. I don't think it's quite New Leaf. Like at this point, is it fair to call it the best Animal Crossing, yeah. do you think? Because I don't know if I would. I'm still a little burnt on the fact that like they put in a bunch of features that were in a bunch of the old Animal Crossing games a year after the game came out. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a good Animal Crossing game and I'm really enjoying it. But like my feelings are a little hurt and the trust has been kind of broken between me and Nintendo. Interesting. Um, because literally they were like, we are adding all of these features that you guys loved in old Animal Crossing games a year after the game has come out. And it's like you couldn't have like rolled those out. You couldn't have like because now it feels like the game is done. It feels like we, we left early access and now the game is done. It's a good thing. It's well, it's well balanced. It's like like. There's just new features, quality of life features that should have been in there from the beginning that would have made my life a lot easier. Yeah. When I dumped 300 hours into this game. But, yeah. <laughs> and it still doesn't have, what, crafting multiple items? Is that still the big hang-up I've heard? No, it doesn't have crafting... Like, you can't say, like, craft five of That's so mind-boggling. Item. Um, so, it's like, you still can't say, like, I would like to craft 20 fish bait or something. Right, right. So, it's not... Great, but one of the big quality of life things that I personally cared about was there were certain items that you would buy from Tom Nook that could come in different colors, but you couldn't customize them yourself. You just had to wait for them to come into the store in the color that you want or get it from a friend. But now they added like recent Cyrus, like Harv's Island got a huge overhaul and you can access these things daily. Like they'll color your furniture, whatever color you want for a few bells Instead of waiting a year at Tom Nooks for this stool in green. <laughs> but so, okay. Just it's like perfect. little stuff like that. So every, it's, so everything they give you, you become more bitter about the amount of time you've wasted yeah. in your life? That's the conclusion? Yeah. Well, and then it's like Red is there every day with art. Yeah. So you don't have to like wait for his boat to show up once in a blue moon on your island. Okay. It just feels so much more like they respect your time more now. Whereas when the original Animal Crossing came out, they were like, what do you mean you don't just like check the game every day? Right. You need us more yeah. than we need you. Yeah, yeah exactly. But they, it, they really, it's, it's a great update and it's a lot. It's fun to play still, but I'm a little hurt. Okay. All right. <laughs> Animal Crossing, everybody. It's DLC and it's what? How much does it cost for the Happy Home Paradise DLC stuff? I want to say, is it twenty four ninety nine? I yeah. think that's right. I yeah, think that's right. But also, I yeah, the online, right? The Nintendo Online. You can yeah, it comes it. with that. Yeah. Um, I got it for like twelve bucks though, because I cashed in my Nintendo coins, like mm. my magical Nintendo coins they give you for buying things. Nice. So I was like, this is a pretty cheap update. Um, and really quick before we move on, because I feel like it, it kind of came off like sort of negative. Like yeah. I love the update. Oh, good. Um, and I'm having a, a really fun time with the DLC. Like I know a lot of people have. Because there's the update, the free update, and the DLC side by side, I know a lot of people are waiting on getting the DLC because they're like, I'm going to play through all like the kind of update stuff first, or I'm still debating. Um, I've really enjoyed my time with it. I'm actually starting with the DLC mainly just because I'm like, I dropped $12 or something. This may sound super cheap, but I'm like, I dropped 12 bucks on this. Like, I'm going to dig into it now. And I'm having such a good time. Like, if you like design stuff, it is quite literally, no pun intended, a paradise because the items are so extravagant and beautiful. It makes everything I've done before look 
shoddy and cheap. Like it is just, <laughs> I made a home theater yesterday. Yeah. And we've all done these kind of concepts on our island where we're like, let me put two panels together and paint them white and look, it's a movie screen, but it's not a movie screen. It looks bad and we all know it, but we ignore it. <laughs> Real movie screens, a popcorn tray, a freaking, they, I could put out a margarita pizza for a penguin. Like I'm having a great time with this update. So I think if you like, if you especially like the design elements of Animal Crossing, right. I think the update is an absolute must. Like if you like design and fun objects, because you can also buy like kind of prettier, less frequent objects on that island using the currency that you get from designing the houses. Yeah. Sweet. Good to know. Uh, let's see. There's also a game that came out uh, this week on Tuesday, which is Jurassic World Evolution 2. Kyle, I forget. Did you play any of that first game from 2018? Nope. My daughter did, though, weirdly. Really? Did she like it? Yeah. She did. Yeah. She likes she likes Jurassic Park, and she liked that game. And I told her that the new one was out, and she said, go away, I'm playing Animal Crossing. So, <laughs> no! We've lost her! <laughs> did she get into, like, Planet Zoo or anything else from Frontier, the developer? Uh, yeah, there's also, uh, what is the recent one that came out? I think it's called Let's Build a Zoo. It's like a pixelated a zoo. zoo. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. It's on Steam. She likes that a lot, too. Yeah, oh, she nice. likes Sims. I, that's like a that's a blind spot for me. That's not really a genre I like. I think that means she's smarter than you automatically, then. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Uh, yeah. I, good. Please. Okay. Good. 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 Be yeah. smarter than you, me. you just got to watch and see if she's, like, putting the dinosaurs in the same cage and watching them fight. That's what I did with Zoo Tycoon. I was like, cage match. Hell this yeah. This is spoilers <laughs> for my time with Jurassic. <laughs> is that Jurassic what you've been doing so far, Janet? It wasn't on per. Let, it was not on it purpose. Wasn't on purpose. I, didn't think, <laughs> I did not think it through. They said, "Bring." I feel like we're jumping at getting ahead of ourselves here. No. But they said, "Bring the dinosaurs to where into like little cage." I totally know the part, like in the campaign. Areas. Yeah, the part you're talking about. Yep. Yeah, and I was like, "Cool." I took one. Now these there's three more. Let's take these, and then I get like a little alert. They're like. Yo, these dinosaurs are going head to head. There's blood everywhere. Like you gotta come through real quick. And I'm like, oh no, no, what do I do? So then, um, I take out my tranquilizer darts and I just start shooting everybody. Smart, <laughs> smart. Just to end, because I, I, at first I start clicking. I'm like, can I like click on? Can I? How do I? How do I get them to stop? Oh my god, I can't go in there. Like, do I drive like a bus between them? I don't know what to do. <laughs> I just start, I just start shooting, and I don't stop until everyone's on the floor. And then meanwhile, while I'm shooting these dinosaurs, they got a, the next dinosaur was coming in because I forgot. I ordered the other ones right. get flown in. And I'm like, no, 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 don't come in here. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> don't look. I'm here, look away. <laughs> I'm here dragging. I'm like, I need you to transportation vehicle. Stay where you are because I need you to drag this other one into this other area. But wait, there's there's no fencing here. You're just going to run into the wild. So I'm out here putting down fences. There's no door. Everyone's dehydrated. There's no grass. Like, there's no environment. There's no yeah. home. I'm out here taking animals from their natural environment and bringing them to this dilapidated wasteland of my own creation. So that's been about the first nine minutes or so i spent with the game we got it together though we okay. got the pastor going every which way it's connected but only technically you know it's it's been a lot now you're john hammond yeah uh it's so this this game i i really really like that 2018 game i think it was like my fifth favorite game of the year but this game kind of falls into that problem and i'm trying to think of other examples of it where the first game was like hey you finally did it. You made what I consider to be the greatest Jurassic Park game of all time. Like, you made a solid park builder with Jurassic Park license. And I know that Operation Genesis fans out there are screaming, I like Operation Genesis too, but it wasn't as fully fleshed out as I would have liked, right? And I feel like they really nailed it with the 2018 game. And now it's like, hey, we're doing it again. And I'm trying to think of, like, 
kind of help me out. I'm trying to think of like an, another game that's kind of in this mold. Like the closest I can come up with is like a Dragon Quest Builders 2, you know, or something or like if they made a sequel to Dragon Ball Fighters where it's like, yeah, no, like you made the cool thing, but without like a story continuation, it's tough to like sequelize that and give me that thrill again, you know? You know what might you might you might not like this example, but is the Resident Evil Three remake kind of in that? Oh, sort of weird! Yeah, I think you're like right. Resident Evil Two was like this is exactly what we wanted. This is amazing. They're like, all right, we got three on deck, and then we played three, and we're like, oh, yeah, that was cool, I, but it wasn't <laughs> as good as the last one. Right, we went from nothing, well, relatively nothing, to them like, oh my god, this two remake's incredible. Yeah, you're right. It kind of feels a little bit like that. Where I'm enjoying my time with Jurassic World Evolution too. Like the stuff that they've added is interesting. Like it's more about specific ways to care for the dinosaurs and then the interesting thing is it's also about specific ways to like care for the people like you have to worry about you get to worry about your scientists your scientists like happiness and burnout rate and you need to let them rest every once in a while and it's like oh there's like some weird game development analogies i'm sure some smart think piece out there will make but and it's more about making sure that these specific dinosaurs are happy in different ways and so it's kind of like it's more about kind of investigating their specific needs compared to just ah oh, we just we're lonely it's more finely tuned than that um but the weird thing to say about a sim is the most interesting thing to, about this game for me so far is the story stuff which <laughs> I know it's a lot and maybe a stretch, but um, are, real quick, are any of the the film actors involved? Boy, is have... Jeff Goldblum involved? Boy, okay. howdy! Uh, he seems available lately. He seems like he's just willing to be to participate if you have his phone number. Look, and Jeff Goldblum, dear dear friend of mine, uh, just uh, love him a lot, but. I've been a little burned out on Goldblum over the last couple of years. And especially when it comes to like Jurassic stuff, because he's everywhere. And like as somebody who like Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of all time. I really, really love Lost World. But even the transition for the Ian Malcolm character from Jurassic Park. Stick, stay with me, Sarah, please. The transition from Jurassic Park to Lost World. Like I cannot keep track of who is this character. This personality in Lost World is just night and day different. And now, like, when he's doing VO for these games and he's trying to be in-character Ian Malcolm, it's like, what What are you doing here? And they even make jokes and references to the fact that, like, I guess in the lore of these games, he's just constantly hired on as a consultant to just ramble on about... uh, nature uh, of course everyone's being greedy so things are falling apart hopefully the chaos won't take over but then in the game he's also making jokes about like uh, i needed this gig uh, alimony payments you know what i mean stuff like that was like yeah that's how i feel about you jeff goblin at this point we're doing so many of these they, they established that in the first movie they Isn't did there a line how he's like i love kids or i don't remember he's always on the he's lookout for kids, a future right? ex mrs malcolm yeah the whole the whole thing yeah, so they're, they're tying See, it in about they established it they're good <laughs> that he desperately needs cash so he'll consult on everybody building more parks but the point is what's interesting about the well, story no bought his book that was in Lost World as well, right? That's right. Oh, wait, maybe, wait, did his book sell really well, actually? I think it sold really well. Is that right? I forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the two. Close enough, right? Doesn't Either way, <laughs> you're good. But the crazy thing is they set this game after Fallen Kingdom, which is the last movie. Has anybody seen Fallen Kingdom here? Okay, uh, Kyle. Okay, spoilers for the ending of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, the movie ends with dinosaurs... I think they're running away technically from Washington and spreading out over the world. So basically where they leave things is it's kind of zombie apocalyptic 
but with dinosaurs overrunning the world because there was an auction for rich people and then they all broke free and they're all loose. And it's confusing, but like, well, how many could there have possibly been? But now, according to where this game is set, since it's after Fallen Kingdom, there's just dinosaurs everywhere. And I am not deep enough into the campaign to know if this is completely as stupid as I think it is, but Janet, it is weird, right? Because we're like building parks in like Arizona and in Washington in the snow and stuff. And as I'm literally building my park to be like, oh, people are going to be like this Carnotaurus over here. There's like Triceratops just like wandering out of the woods outside of the park where it's like, it's like in the middle of a zombie apocalypse building a, an elaborate expensive park for zombies. And it's like, who's coming here? <laughs> no, They're no, everywhere. It's, it's like... It's, it's like all a supervised, I mean, okay? It's different. It's like a regular modern zoo. Have you ever been to the Minnesota Zoo? It's all animals that are from Minnesota. <laughs> I guess so, but it'd be different, I guess, if there was like a polar I'm bear. Just being a contrarian to you, Hanson. No, sorry. no, it's like, yeah, if there's a polar bear wandering out. It's really and, just, the, I mean, how limited is that zoo then? It's not. It's, it's a great not. zoo. It's beautiful. It's a 10, 10 okay. zoo. Don't listen to him besmirching the good zoo of uh, Como and the Minnesota Zoo, mm, all this good know. stuff. No, Como's great. Like, Como's got giraffes. in my park in Jurassic Park. <laughs> but, okay, the, the part that... Because they haven't really revealed too much about the new movie, Dominion, other than all the actors are coming back for it. Which, by the way, fun fact, all the actors came back as well uh, for DLC for Jurassic World Evolution 1, which we talked about on the podcast a while ago, which is fun to hear them all talk to each other. Um, but, or at least record video in separate booths and get a paycheck. But they haven't revealed too much about this new movie. So it's interesting, like, trying to get plot details from this game where, and this is like a weird specific thing, but I love that apparently it's not, there's a new organization, well, there's an organization that's trying to corral dinosaurs in this new world. And it's not like the Dinosaur Protection Agency. It's just actually what it would be in the real world, which is the Department of Fish and Wildlife from the government. The DNR? Well, DFW, I guess. I don't think it would be technically the DNR. Although, maybe is DNR part of Department of Fish and Wildlife? Maybe. I don't know enough. But I just love, it's such a weird thing to have like the Department of Fish and Wildlife trying to corral dinosaurs. And then in the core of this game, in the story of this game's campaign, which is surprisingly short, by the way, apparently, I've heard. Um... They have like a bunch of people who used to be at InGen, the Jurassic Park company, that now work for the government. So it's like just conceptually for Jurassic Park nerds, this is a big transition to go from, ah, it's all about biotech and the greed of these corporations. And now it's, boy, the government's pretty inept. They can't even keep these parks up because these dinosaurs are getting out. And so if that's the angle they're going in the new movie, it's a really weird flip based on the five movies so far about like, ah corporation's bad um anyways it's weird uh owen uh the character from jurassic world played by of course uh our dear friend chris what's his name <laughs> chris pratt yes i'm sorry garfield um this is the one thing that he's not voicing chris pratt he's not he's not in this game they have their sound alike for him and it's like a reminder of boy i don't understand who this character is and i don't know if universal does because it's just like he's cocky I, I don't know his personality from the films and this game is also confused about it but it's all in there um so they have um they also have like a chaos theory like a chaos chaos theory mode where it allows you to like recreate parts of the movies and stuff like that so you can jump to any of the movies and kind of like ah here's lost world we're actually going to build up jurassic park san diego on our own and get it right this time and 
Ian Malcolm would be there saying, hey, I don't think we should build another Jurassic Park, which is the core of his VO over these two games. Um, but I think that's a better, a more fun experience than the actual campaign, which is just a lot of listening to, you know, a, a Chris Pratt sound alike monologue. But I, I like those kind of chaos theory things. So it seems all right from what I've played so far. And end scene on Jurassic Park talk. Wait, wait. Can you feed people to the dinosaurs? And open it back up. Um, I don't think so. No, you can't. They can get out and, like, attack people, and I think they can kill people. You can't even, like, drop them in? No, you can't, like, have a goat feeder, but it's just a human being. It's not quite as free form as that, I don't think. But, like, one thing that was decent about it and it wasn't exactly like my kind of game but i haven't done a lot of like sim management sim stuff obviously i play animal crossing but this is kind of a different thing because you have all these things to keep track of um like i've i the only other like sim experience i've really had of this ilk is original like sim city okay like i went to go play sim city because i was doing a project of like oh top 100 games let me see people put sim city on this list how is it today and i'm like i don't understand any of what you're communicating sure. and all the guides are written before there was formatting on the internet. Um, this is a lot more, it made me understand like the genre a little bit more because I huh. only do a good job laying out what you need to develop your areas. But no, you cannot be too chaotic. They're really like stepping back because Planet Zoo, you couldn't kill people either. Mm. And that's the fun. I mean, that's what you want is like to make I mean, roller like, coasters that'll destroy people. Yeah, there's nothing better than when a guest complains like dropping them into a pit of orcas. Yeah. And then watching them go like. <laughs> That's good. And like, guess 45 died and you're like, good. They shouldn't have been hu- hungry. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, I saw. Well, I understand. Uh, Sarah, my understanding for the game that I mentioned earlier that came out recently, Let's Build a Zoo. Yeah. Is that you can actually sell uh, like the animal meat on the black market if you want. What? To, from your zoo. So what? Like, That's that might so be more dark. your style. Okay, <laughs> I'll check it out. Dark. I'll check it out. <laughs> That's wild. I had no idea. Jeez. It's fun the way they present it, too, because it's a really, like, fun and energetic trailer, and then it cuts to black, and then, like, a a Marvel Cinematic Universe post-credit scene, it, like, shows this, like, underground factory selling exotic meats and stuff. (laughs) What the (laughs) hell? That's insane. Uh, Okay, we don't need to focus too much on this, but... I need more people in my camp. Like, Janet and Sarah, have you been enjoying Forza Horizon 5? Because last week, these fellas... It's such good, dumb fun. Thank oh, my God. You. Oh, thank you. It's so oh, much fun. I'm free from this prison of <laughs> hatred from Kyle and Leo. You're acting like we said it was bad. We just said I'd rather ride a bike than drive a car. It was, like, ultimately what it came down to. My memory of that segment is I asked you about your time with the game so far, and then both you spit on your webcams, and we just kind of moved on. <laughs> God, I, I don't know how to describe it, but the vibe of Forza Horizon 5 is the same exact vibe of Just Dance. <laughs> I don't know what? I don't know how to like the vibes are just the same. Just Drive 2022. It's just yeah. what does that mean? There's music playing. It's, there's just like a dumb party vibe. Yeah. Only positive vibe throughout the entire thing. You're just there to like drive your car fast, do whatever you want and like have a good time. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. the, that's the Horizon Festival. Janet, yeah. are you digging it so far? Yeah, it's fun. I like it. Um, I'm hoping for this to be the one that I like go completely through because I didn't actually finish, even though there's no like real campaign. But I count as like when you've done all the main objectives. Right. Is that being done? Fourth Horizon 4. Um, I like it. I like the areas. Um, somewhat, you know, I'm Mexican. So the fact that it's in Mexico, I think is really cool. Like going to Tenochtitlan and seeing like the pyramids. And I think for the most part, 
they like did a pretty decent job. There are times where I'm like, mm, is this like okay to have in here? Mm, I don't know. But I think like a good example of them like being respectful and, and engaging with the culture in a fun way is like there's an area pretty early on where you drive like by and around and through the pyramids. And I think that's super cool where a way that they could have made that be kind of tacky is if you could like drive through them or something. I'm like, yeah. that would be kind of messed up. But yeah. it's like, no, it's t- also they had, um, you know, my brother's really intensely into Forza and, and racing games. And he mentioned to me that they actually had commissioned artists from Mexico to make some of the murals you see in the game. Oh, that's cool. So I think little touches like that are really cool. Um, So far, the diversity of the area and the sort of uh, tasks they give you are pretty fun. There's one race I did that was essentially in the world's tightest cornered track. We have all these ramps and every, it's just chaos. And I've enjoyed that a lot. I think so far, my only complaints are pretty nitpicky, but they can get a bit frustrating for me. I think some of the photo mode decisions, the fact that you have to save and then download and name the file to really save it in the Interesting. game. Kind of like ridiculous. Uh, I think the lack of there's like not much Mexican music or Spanish music in the game, which I think is insane. Yeah. And I get that it's very hard to license stuff, so I don't want to like shade them too much for it but it just feels like man i feel like that's very much missing from this so i just pull up spotify and play my own playlist and i just blast that and i'm you know i crack open some modellos which i was gonna do regardless <laughs> of if i was playing forza or not i do that when i play animal crossing um and yeah i just drive around and it's been fun just checking it out um i do feel like it's a little bit less open than i thought it'd be at least mm. early on they kind of lock you into these different areas in a weird way but overall, I'm enjoying it. It looks very pretty. I'm playing on Series X. It's, it's so a good, good time. Looking. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, all right. Hey, Kyle. Hilliard, that is. Uh, do you know how this whole thing operates? What's up? Patreon. <laughs> right to the point this week, Hanson. That's right. No tomfoolery. <laughs> Patreon, everybody. If you enjoy the show, you can support it or join it, please, over at patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. And, oh, I am in love with some of our new supporters here because new month... New supporters rolling in. So thanks to everybody who supports us at a higher tier on Patreon. Let's us plug whatever you want us to plug on the podcast, your passion project, your podcast, your uh, Twitch streams, your small business, anything like that. Just let us know. We're happy to do it, including, oh my gosh, we have a new person to support, uh, Diverge Coffee. Diverge Coffee was started in 2020 by two friends, Bryant and Nick. We bonded over our mutual love for video games, coffee, and our passion to start a business. Some of you in the BetterQuest Discord may have even helped us choose our logo or taste tested some of our roasts. Now that we're a little more established, we wanted our first real attempt at advertising to be with the community we started with and love so much. We're excited to be able to support MinMax, and if you enjoy high-quality coffee, consider supporting us back. Being the nerds that we are, we have meticulously created roast profiles for each of our high-quality, ethically-sourced coffee beans. Go to DivergeCoffee.com and browse our selection of blends and single-origin roasts. Once you find what you like, be sure to use the promo code MINMAX, two ends, they say, at checkout to get 15% off of your order. Again, that's DivergeCoffee.com, discount code MINMAX for 15% off. What's better than plugging coffee every week on the podcast? This is great. Uh, thank you so much, folks, for sending these out. Uh, Janet, you got some too? Yeah, I got the um, Peak Guatemalan Roast, which is, I believe this one, I want to say this one's the light one. And then I have Checkpoint, which is a, I believe that one's the dark roast. And it's a blend 
of the peak alongside um, some Brazilian beans. And I like both. Um, the light roast feels like it's uncorking something in my mind, caffeine-wise, because it's very strong and concentrated. Ooh. So I feel very alert after it. But I think the, uh, the dark roast surprised me. It ended up being, I think... My favorite of the two there. Nice. Um, and yeah, and I have a whole family of coffee drinkers. I've had them tested out. Um, so far, the Checkpoint blend is the household favorite right now. Sweet. There we go. And they're all available at DivergeCoffee.com. Use the promo code MINMAX, 15% off. Help us support them because they've supported us in a big way. Thank you so much. Also, thank you to our friends at Fixture S1. They want everybody to know about the Fixture S1, which is a clip that you put on your Nintendo Switch Pro Controller so you can have the Switch screen on the go Combine going on the go, Kyle, with the greatest Switch controller with Fixture S1. You can uh, find it on Amazon for $35. There's a link in the description if you want to check out a Fixture S1. It is very cozy, very comfortable. It also has a carrying case uh, bundle option if you're interested in that whole thing. We're giving some of these away. We'll have more details uh, the back half of the show talking about exactly how you can win a custom Fixture S1. But thank you to Fixture S1 for being so helpful. Also, thank you to our dear friends at I Am 8-Bit. They want everybody to know about the Hyperlight Drifter, Kyle, uh, vinyl soundtrack. Yes, yes? Kyle? Sorry, sorry, I had it on mute because I've, I've got a bit of a cough. Oh. I'm trying to make sure no one hears. But Hyperlight Drifter, fantastic soundtrack. I would love to have that on vinyl. That would be amazing. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, the music's by Disasterpiece, and the soundtrack has a uh, translucent, uh, translucent colored vinyl, deluxe custom packaging with magnetic wing flaps, and includes the full digital soundtrack as well. So check that out. Also, check out everything on iMateBit's wonderful online store. You can get 10% off everything under $100 by using the promo code <clears throat> Turkatron. Turkatron. One word, everybody. 10% off everything in I Am 8-Bit's wonderful online store. Help support them because they support us in a big way. Thank you so much. And they support us by doing wonderful things like shipping out a wonderful prize from their wonderful online store each and every week to a member of the MinMax community, whoever submits the greatest question of the week. So everybody look alive. Let's try and remember exactly what's good this week so they can win this Manifold Garden copy on Nintendo Switch. Uh, thanks to I Am 8-Bit. All right, let's get to these community questions. But to do that, we need some help from a very generous donor. Um, Janet, I'm sorry, but we need to make room. Would you mind clapping out of here, please? Of course. Thank you, Janet. Matt Winter, welcome to the MinMax Show, sir. Thank you very much. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. It's an honor to have you. Uh, generous donor during Extra Life. Uh, what What is your story did you watch all of the extra life stream what compelled you to say i will support a children's hospital to be on a podcast tell us everything well i wish i had the time to watch the entire stream uh it's probably a bit much but uh, i agree i watched i watched a lot of it let me put it that way um way too much into like the the wee hours in the morning here on the east coast but uh but no it's i've i've, I've always enjoyed these streams i've enjoyed your streams i know I, i'm a regular watching the gi streams and everything like that so um, and I've always wanted to be in a position where I could donate. Um, yeah. I've donated before, but like on this level, let's say, um, you know, and, uh, fortunately this year I can, and what a great perk to be here on the MinMax show. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. Um, do you have any advice for us next year with extra life? Any tips? <laughs> uh, well, I think it'll be interesting to see exactly what the situation is. I mean, I know that from the MinMax perspective, you guys were actually in studio for, part of it, which probably makes a big difference, right? Oh, so, yeah. um, I think that, uh, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see where the world is, but, um, I, what I, what I love is just how, 
how much you include the community and everything that you do. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously the name of the game is to get people to donate for these things, but just the, the links that you'll go to, um, is just impressive. Uh, and, uh, and it really just draws people like myself into it and makes me want to watch and makes me want to be a part of it and all those things. So oh, keep doing nice. what you're doing is my, is my message. That's, that's very sweet. Yeah. It's, um, it's really fun to like, I mean, we've done extra life, I mean, Jason A. Stryker started doing a Game Informer, and then Tim Turry really helped him out in a big way. And then I started doing a lot back in, like, 2014 or something, maybe 2015. But it's just been fun, like, every year to have, like, these iterations and just to try and learn lessons from the previous year. And you realize some lessons that can be carried forward through Patreon and then also just even on Twitch of, like, yeah, people just want to, like, impact the stream. So what's, like, the cleanest incentive we can have to have their donation make an impact on what's happening. And so just like stupid stuff, like, hey, donate 50 bucks and we'll have a dance party. We'll all dance like idiots. You can choose the song, whatever goes, right? And so many people did that. We ended up raising like $3,500 just from people donating for $50 dance parties. And it's like, yeah, I'll dance in my seat for 20 seconds to raise 50 bucks for charity. This is a piece of cake. So it's just really fun to try and like get better and better and better and more clean about like what's the best possible handshake we can have for charity here with the community. And so hopefully folks enjoy it. Absolutely. I think it's interesting to see to your point, the iterations over the years, because I remember correct me if I'm wrong back in the day, extra life was just like, Hey, we're going to stream us playing this game for this totally. uh, time. Right. Yep. And now it's, you know, again, that more community feel and, you know, all these crazy like tears and dance parties and, eating chili peppers and things you probably shouldn't do and that sort of thing, which is just, it's, it's, it's wonderful, right? It's, 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 it's great. And, uh, it just brings you in. So yeah, love it. Can't wait to see what's next. Oh, that's very sweet. That's very sweet. Uh, well, Hey, we have a bunch of community questions. Um, and you were like the wisest mind in gaming. That's how you pitched yourself, right? Uh, something like that. Okay, yeah. great. Well, you can help <laughs> us answer all these. Uh, John Richards writes in and says, Hey everybody, when you were younger, did you have that one friend who was absolutely and effortlessly amazing at video games or, were you that person? Uh, I was absolutely not that person. Yeah. I don't know. Does anybody have a friend like this? Is that the go-to? Yeah, his name's Jim Ellis, and oh. he beat Ninja Gaiden, like, on the hardest difficulty, and he would just absolutely destroy us all at Halo to the point of it not being fun anymore, so we just stopped inviting him. That's interesting. Yeah, do you I think, love Jim. He's do still you, around. Do you think it hurt him socially to be so good at these games? Ah. <laughs> uh, no, no, Jim was great. Like, I'm, I'm joking. We didn't kick him out. But he was like, everyone just tried to be on Jim's team is what it always came down to, <laughs> you know? What do you think? It, what's his secret? What's Jim up to? Is he just a... Perseverance? A, just working? Just He's just... I don't know. He's just... He, would, he wouldn't put a game down until he, like, beat it on the hardest difficulty. I was happy to put it down once I beat it on normal. Yeah. Every once in a while, I kind of want to go back and, like, just see everybody that I thought was super impressive at games. If I saw them playing now... Would it just be laughable? Like if I saw my uncle playing Mario 1, I, I probably was wowed back in the day, but I'm sure he made it to like the third level. I'm like, that's possible? I'm sure it's just like embarrassing, <laughs> but you think everything's impressive when you're a stupid kid. Yeah, I mean, I have friends who are better at like certain games. They just have a better game sense than I do, to be quite honest. But like, I know that if I went to their Animal Crossing Island, it would be like the equivalent of like a mattress on the ground. Okay. So, like everybody to each their own, right? Everybody's good at certain games. You're not all good at all games, but it's like, are you good at the games that are impressive to be good at? I think is mostly the thing because like nobody cares if you're really good at like you know Animal Crossing. There's a very small people, but it's like then there's like competitive. Are you competitive? Do you compete? Right. Like, 
Yeah, you, it is. I guess like the Ninja Gaiden reference. I don't know. That's kind of like maybe an old school thing, but I don't know if it's as impressive now. Well, I guess I'm trying to think of even like from software. I, I guess. I'm talking There's, about the, the, the Ninja, the Team Ninja one, by the way. Oh, like Ninja Gaiden the, Black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. No, not even black. Before black, that huh. black black had the, the was it ninja dog mode that made it easy in it. Oh, I see. Pre black. Okay, gotcha. Matt, yeah. Did you have a go to amazing friend? I had a lot of friends who like uh, never had a video game console growing up, and then could pick up like Street Fighter and just like kick my ass every single time. <laughs> like I don't I don't know why that is, but like fighting games in general, I found people just like switch on or off, and it's the same with racing games too, actually. But um. But uh, yeah, that's that's always bothered me. <laughs> Are they just uh, hitting buttons randomly, just button mashing and, and through probably. fighting games, and that's it? And this this seem impressive? Like it, yeah, probably. It just kills me when I play fighting games with my nephew, and he's just like, bang, 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 bang. And every time he beats me, and I'm sincerely trying to win, I feel like I need to call up Capcom to be like, "This is broken, you guys. You got to do something about this." Yeah, just to be absolutely. It's- I, I stopped buying fighting games for a point because I was like, I can practice and I can do like spend hours trying to get like as good as possible. And then like somebody will just come in and, and like push buttons randomly and get lucky. Right. With the exception of Smash, perhaps. But yeah. Right. Right. But I, I assume there's some way to counter it if you're actually good at these games. I think you can go up against Daigo or whatever and just mash buttons. But still, I, I still have a tough time every once in a while against those idiots. Uh, Josiah writes in and says, hey, been in the Min-Maxers. Uh Growing up, my brothers and I spent a lot of time playing movie tie in games. You know the ones, those games that were usually rushed out the door to coincide with the release of a newly animated or kid-friendly IP, but not for the reason you'd expect. Some of those games included multiplayer mini-games, and we were often desperate to find some new games that allowed us to play together. So my question is, what are some mini-games that you enjoy maybe even more than the main game? So are these like movie games? I don't like, think. I think that was just his example. Just opening the floor, okay. Opening the floor, just wide open. Mini-game is better than the main game. I think all of the Yakuza mini-games. I'm talking Ooh, like Pocket Circuit Racing, The Hostess Club. Like, that's what that's what got me through the main game, is just being able to, like, further myself in the Pocket Circuit Racing. Right. So it's just, okay, there's some weird tissue that's interconnecting just all these little different experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's interesting. All right. Maybe there's a case to be made there. When I read this question, my mind went to uh, Triple Triad for, in Final Fantasy Yes. VIII. Um, I just spent probably way much more time playing that than the actual game or enjoying it more than the actual game. Uh, and it's so much better than, uh, than Tetra Master, I think, uh, yeah. from nine, like hands down. Right. Also poker and Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I spent hours playing poker, oh, just, just playing poker. Right. It's just, it's just so much fun. Totally. Um, better yeah. than two, better than in two. That's for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, well, you couldn't cheat in two, so it wasn't as fun. Oh, that was yeah. less fun. Yeah, I mean, speaking of GTA, I remember, like, really getting into video poker in GTA San Andreas. And just my money was mm. just infinite at a certain point because I just spent all my time just reloading saves and going in there and just cranking that stuff out. And it was just, like, stupid video poker. I don't know, hold these three. It's just it's nonsense, but I guess that was fun back in the day. Uh, I had to look it up to make sure this was the title, but there was this 3DS game called Dylan's Dead Heat Breakers. Uh, which is like an, I think a Nintendo published yeah. game. Yeah, Nintendo published fan pulled. Like Dylan is in Smash Brothers as a trophy, I think, but not like anyway. The C- it's this action game where you're like an armadillo who can roll around, and most of the gameplay is like doing this on the the bottom of the the 3DS screen where you're like swiping up a lot to make him roll. Yeah, yeah. But between those action sequences, you would run a store, and 
what what that meant was like you had to stay behind the counter to ring people up, which meant like actually you know putting in amounts and stuff like that. And then when this when it got slowed down, when there weren't that many customers, you would walk around the counter and just go rearrange everything on the shelf to make sure Ooh, it looked nice. That's good. And that was like that was so much more engaging than the actual action part of the game. I I enjoyed that part of it so much more. I, that's the part I remember. Have you is that game out, Sarah? This seems up your alley. Is that game out yet that I saw a while ago where you're like straightening pictures that are hung on the wall and oh, stuff? Oh, you know, I don't think it's out yet. Okay. I know the one, the wholesome game where like you basically just organize things and yeah. you make things like satisfying, like you move the pencil into place. Right. I do not believe it's out yet. Okay. God, I gotta remember the name. Anybody watching us live, by the way, help us out. Uh, Tom Blackburn writes in and says, Hey, Matt Winter, how different would your life be if your last name was actually Summer? Oh, it's a, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I don't think it would be different at all. Um, I oh. think that I would have less uh, Game of Thrones references uh, pass my way. Oh, um, so maybe actually maybe it'd be less engaging because of that. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't have been able to uh, to put the winters are coming on our wedding save the date card, which I thought was Ooh, pretty cool. That's very so good. like, you know. So, yeah, actually, it's, it's, it's probably a good thing that it's winter. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Summer. I don't, what do you got? I don't know. That's a first name. That's not a last name. Yeah. Uh, Thomas. What's that? I said, is it? Is Summer a first name? Yeah. According yeah, to the 500 like Rick days. And Morty, Rick and Morty character named uh, Summer. Sure. Right? There we go. Thomas Derenek says, my question is seeking advice and exploration of a topic that often comes up in daily life for, I'm guessing, a lot of people. Even though over the last few years, gaming seems to have broken into the mainstream in a big way, I still feel a need to hold back my excitement for it with people. Often while talking with people I don't know as well or with family members I don't see as often, I'm hesitant to converse about my gaming hobby because I'm not certain how well it'll be received. As an example, if a work friend asked me for my weekend plans, I would first offer up anything non-gaming before admitting that I spent a lot of it finishing Metroid Dread, which was fantastic. Is this something y'all can relate to? Oh my god, yeah, so normally I don't care anymore, I used to care, but now it's like, there are so many people out there who play games, you can find a lot of common ground with anyone, but one time I was talking to my coworker who I had just started at this new position, and it was on like a gaming team, but like under a bigger umbrella of a company that wasn't about gaming, so I was walking back with him from this meeting and I was trying to find some like common topics, and I think this was when Death Stranding had just launched. And I was like, so, like, what do you think about, like, Norman Reedus and the Funky Fetus? And he just <laughs> looked at me. And he was like, the what? And I'm like, you know, like, the co- you know, like the, the, the Death Stranding, like, the, the baby game, like, the, the Kojima baby game? And now I know that he's, like, much more of a sports guy and he, like, reads the newspaper. But, oh, man. <laughs> I, like, never lived that moment down. You think you can bond with somebody and you can't even connect I on mean, a Funky Fetus. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's a good example because it's like I, I I'm happy. I love talking about video games, and I'm not like I don't mind someone knowing I'm into video games, but I just get into like the weeds really quickly. Right, and that's where I worry that I'm like boring somebody. You know, is that I'm talking about like the this new Hideo Kojima, Kojima game where maybe they played Resident Evil Four back on the GameCube once in their life. You know, like I just I worry that I'm boring them is is my fear more than feeling like a nerd or something like that. Totally, you always catch yourself like, oh, I didn't have to go this deep. Like, this is a, a humble brag situation, but I was being interviewed recently about that Oregon Trail documentary from my hometown newspaper, which is the same one and the same writer that came up with computer loving cohorts, by the way. And so, uh, in that in the interview, at a certain point, I told him like, hey, by the way. You added a caption in your last article that said computer loving cohorts and our community's really run with it. And he's like, oh, that's weird. 
He's like, maybe I can slip it into the new article somehow. And then he didn't, but that's fine. I'm not judging. But anyways, we're talking about Oregon Trail (laughs) and I was trying to explain like how well that sense of game design has aged, especially compared to anything else from 1971. But then to do it, I was explaining what a roguelike was. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> just say the game design has aged well. Like, I, it was five minutes into an explanation about roguelikes. I'm like, oh, this is so stupid and irrelevant. I'm wasting this person's time. I'm stupid for being this smart about video games. I don't know, Matt. <laughs> do, you, do you talk to people at work about video games or does it go too deep? Oh, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, I, I, I talk to people all the time about video games at work. Um, but I think I think it's a good point about like, you know, there are different levels. You have to know like where that person stands. So how to how to bring it up. And um, but I think that, you know, when I was growing up, especially, um, you know, in, in high school and maybe even college to a certain extent, you know, video games were not like they were seen on different level than they are today. Right. So it's like I was I probably did find myself like not associating myself as much as like a gamer like uh, uh, back then as i would now which is like oh yeah of course i play games like everyone does you know what i mean it's just it's awesome um yeah like back back then it wasn't like as cool quote unquote as as, as you know it, it could be perceived these days so yeah i think the times have changed yeah and i'm trying to think like the core of the question too or just being like slightly embarrassed about it like i think it kind of came through in my online dating days where i wouldn't write video games I would write that I liked games as an interest as a way to be like, maybe then if they're into tabletop games, they'll find this more approachable than if I just maybe wrote video he games. Likes solitaire. I don't know. <laughs> Could be anything. Maybe he likes toying with people's hearts. That's right. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, they each their own. Hanson, do I remember some story on some replay back in the day about you approaching girls at the bar with like something to do with board games or something like that? <laughs> I don't think so. So this is, yeah, so we told this story and I feel bad because people always attribute it to me but it was trying to remember. It was my friend Jesse, who's very funny. And I think it was his idea or he was just joking around that I would try and hit on girls by saying, eh, so are you into word-based board games? <laughs> just calling me a big old dork. And so that was like a stupid joke thing, which was then very weird because that then was in my replay wiki. Like... <laughs> hits on women by asking are they into word-based board games which i never did to be quite clear and then the weirdest part is one time i went on a date with somebody and very early on in the date she said are you into word-based board games and i was like uh some i guess yeah i guess you know like just trying to roll with it and then she's like yeah i, I googled your name and found out who you were and found a wiki and that was on the top of the wiki <laughs> it's like, that's really <laughs> weird research yeah that is stunning uh chris calkins writes in and says Oh, he has just a question just for Kyle. It's kind of a mean one, but I thought it was interesting. So I'll, I'll subject you to it, Kyle. Um, wait, he says, can't wait. I'm wondering if the panel, and this is the part that I replace uh, just with the word Kyle, could, oh. could list the mainline Assassin's Creed games in chronological order. Oh, in chronological order? Chronological order. Do you know the order roughly? Okay. This is a this is like a history question more than an Assassin's Creed question. Kind of, right? yeah. That's why it's fun. I think. So it's it's assassin. It's origin, right? It's the first one. Assassin's Creed Origin. Really? That was the funny thing. What's the is first one? wow. Uh, there was a game that is older than Assassin's Creed Origins. That were the true what is origins. It? Uh, come on, you got to guess, dude. It's it's in the it's in I the, don't know. Some mobile Assassin's Creed game. Well, or what civilization could be older than Egypt? 
dinosaurs. That's right. <laughs> Not really civilization, but that's right. Maybe Wait, if you go across the Mediterranean from Egypt, Mesopotamia. Uh, no thing. Uh, Ancestors. That sounds like that count as an Assassin's Creed game. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, everybody, with the ancient Greeks. That one's oh. technically the oldest. Technically uh, the oldest. Okay. okay, then then. Yeah, see, I had it flopped. I thought it was Origins. Then I thought it was Odyssey. Yep. So it's Odyssey Origins. Valhalla. Correct. Then. Okay. Then Assassin's Creed One. Nice, nailed it. Yes. All right. And then and then it's pretty straightforward from there, right? Then it's two or yeah, two, and then Brotherhood and Revelations. Yep. Um, next one, and then four. Yep. Right. Black flag. Yep. Um, yeah, there's going to be one that's going to throw me off. Oh, here's, um, here's one that you probably forgot now, about. Now this is okay. Are we on assess? It's so then, then it's, um, then it's, uh, not, not three. It's not three. It's, it's not, it's the, it's the industrial revolution one. Right? Incorrect. There's one. No, af- no, no, it's, it's the French revolution one. No. It's unity. Incorrect. 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 Think there's one after black flag that came out the same day as unity. Yeah. It's the, the Russian one, right? Is it Russian? It's in the Arctic. I forget if it's Russian. Yeah. But that one's next. That's I rogue. It's called. Yep. I th- okay, no, th- see, I thought that was after three because I thought it was kind of a sequel to three. Oh, no, yeah. So I think it, but I it's... But I could be wrong. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, so it's North Atlantic, I think. And then then it's three, then Liberation. All right, Kyle, now last oh, two. Oh, Liberation, the Vita one. Okay, yep. yeah. Then it and is... And then we're getting... And then it's Unity? Then it's Unity! Then it's... And then it's the... the Yeah, the Industrial Revolution one, which I don't... Or the... Uh, what is that one called? It's the one that no one has played that's supposed to be the best one because it came out after Unity. That's right. If you look up the wiki entry, actually, for Assassin's Creed Syndicate, it says the one that no one's played, Syndicate. but it's supposed to be the best one. There it is. Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Kyle. What a trooper. Nailed Stunning. it. Thank you. Very yes. impressive. Not bad. Uh, Donnie says, hey, friends, uh, if Twitch streaming was a thing in the PS2 slash original Xbox era, what games do you think would have been popular for streaming? What would you have turned tuned into back then? I'm thinking San Andreas shenanigans would have taken the cake. Yeah, I think those games would have yeah, been big. That, my my answer was GTA with codes specifically. Ooh, wow. okay. But don't you kind of need like the multiplayer to keep it really rolling on Twitch? Like, you know, and GTA Online is huge on Twitch. Yeah, I don't no think no one watches. No one watches Dark Souls played. On Twitch. Oh, this little sassy Hilliard over here. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm being mean to you today. I guess that's why I got that Assassin's Creed question. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> a sassy Creed question with you freaking answering it, dude. Uh, hey, yeah. sass associate wow. editor on my old business card. <laughs> that is, you, that? you actually had that on your business card. Um, I was thinking like, yeah, I think yeah. Halo 1, Halo 2, I think would have been huge on Twitch. I don't know, Matt. You got any other ideas? Yeah, like Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. I mean, I was watching uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 uh, stream last night. So, like, Oh, with Dan? Yeah, with Dan. So, yeah, so like, you know... Uh, everlasting appeal, but I'm sure those those games would have been like huge up on the list, right? Yeah, it's true. I I thought about this question a lot. I meditated on this for days, and I think the correct answer is Smash Melee, though. Yeah, I think in that generation, I think Melee would be number one on Twitch. Kyle, you're squinting a little. Disagree? Well, I'm trying to remember what like I would watch friends play a lot right. like, during that era. Um, and it was like, I mean. Time splitters, maybe probably would be big. I feel <laughs> okay. like that was another like multiplayer one. Sure, sure. 
All right. mean, yeah, GTA, I would watch friends play because it would just, you could just go, it was sandbox games, you know? But otherwise, right. like Jack and Axter and stuff, I wasn't watching friends play that. That was, that was all right. Everyone went home. I'm going to play Jack and Axter now. Yeah. And we're the kind of freaks that would watch each other play JRPGs, which seems absurd now. It's like, I would just like sit in your basement for 12 hours and watch you grind in an RPG. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> friends and I would do that too. Absolutely. Yeah, I it, remember back like Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII, all those. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So uh, good times. Uh, Bob, Bob McHugh writes in and says, The Wire, The Godfather. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to like uh, Scott Ackerman now. Uh, the Wire, The Godfather, and Pet Sounds are often viewed as masterpieces that end up on perpetual to-do lists. They're important, but intimidating landmarks. I don't know if Pet Sounds is intimidating. Anyways, uh, back to the question. Uh, they can be embarrassing for enthusiasts of the medium to admit they've never seen or listened to them. Still, they can feel like homework, and in the bottom of our heart, we know that we're never going to get around to them. Is there an equivalent example for games that are kind of the homework, important history lesson games? Yeah, it's called Death mm-hmm. Stranding. <laughs> I don't know if that's history lesson important, but, you know. It's like homework, though. You all right, I guess it. that's fair. Yeah. It is true. I mean, I feel that way about, like, JRPGs that are supposed to be classics. You know, the Suikoden's, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII's. It, right. I've struggled to go back. Like, I'm embarrassed that I've never beaten Final Fantasy VII, the original. Yeah. I've tried be. to on a few occasions, and I, I find it difficult. Yeah. Oh, these days, yeah, probably. It doesn't really come up too often except for like if you're watching um two people stream and exploring your final fantasy themed house and animal crossing and they see a room and they're like what is this room why is there a pond and a grave in this room can you please explain that (laughs) no i can't i still don't know it's a spoiler i couldn't possibly get into it (laughs) um i don't yeah matt what do you think for homework Uh, history lessons for 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 me it's the gta games actually i just never I just uh, never got into them because I was busy playing other things. So, like, I, I just never did. And, you know, I think it's it's one of those games, genres, whatever, that, that is like, if anyone asks, I'm like, yeah, I've actually actually never played them. Sorry. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, they're probably the biggest ones for me. I mean, I, I was also thinking about, like, you know, some of the Witcher stuff uh, that I've never played or, like, Witcher 3 or yeah. um, Elder Scrolls, you know, those, those style of games as well. They're just hard to get into because they're so time-consuming these days as well. Yeah, like like Morrowind. Right? Yeah, yeah, go back to Morrowind. Totally. Important game that would be tough to go back to. Yeah, for me, it's a lot of like uh, the early immersive sim stuff. Um, I understand it's like, oh, it's smart, and I should appreciate it better. Like you know, like a System Shock or like original Thief and stuff. And like I, I liked Deus Ex on PS2, which I understand is sacrilegious to play on PS2, but I never finished it. And even that, going back to that now, it's like any game, current or especially in the past, where I'm reading notes like i i can't do it and i feel like reading notes as it ages it's uh it's a little poor uh swoo writes in and says computer living cohorts hey there we go uh if you could have one superpower what would it be and realistically how would you use it also extra life was a blast good show mate thank you swiggity swoo Mm. Mm, the superpower question uh, I mean, flight is like, oh, you go first, sir. Yeah, so mine is like very specifically the gravity rush power that Cat <laughs> has, where like it's like flying, but it's just perpetual falling in different directions. Why do you it choose looks, that? Because it's like flying is cool, but you know yeah. what's cooler? Controlling gravity, which is essentially what it is. And you can like take objects with you. So, like, if you wanted to take a whole bunch of boxes or, like, a car or, like, anything with you in a certain direction, you just fall together. 
Oh, it's so okay. So like flying's cool, but if you were moving, you'd still have to fly every box to your new house. Whereas this, yeah, you have to just, like pick it up. Right. Whereas this, it's just everybody fly with me kind of thing. Yeah, you like take people with you, and you all just go crashing into something. Okay. I I don't know. That feels more chaotic. I feel like it's it's kind of a it's a controlled chaos. But you're still but may- flailing around with it's gravity, contro- right? Not if you're good at it. Mm. Not if you're good at controlled falling. I think having direct control. Oh, style? If yeah. You, if you want to be crazy. I think I would go flight. Uh, like I've been flying in my dreams since I was a little kid. And it is truly the best thing. And so like I think having that like fine-tuned control would be worth it more than the situations where it's like, I want my couch to fly with me or whatever hell your gravity thing's about. Such a hater. Have you played Gravity Rush? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. No, then you don't get it. All right. All right. Sorry, I guess I don't get it. Oh, let's see. Bob Beal in the chat says Goku's instant transmission would be his pick, which is like instant that's, teleportation. That's really good. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I don't know. I think for me, it's invisibility, right? Because you can just get into like all kinds of shenanigans with invisibility. Just yeah. go where you're not supposed to. You can just, if you don't want to be somewhere, now you're invisible and that's cool. And you just like, whatever. It's, I don't know. That's just seem that just seems like the best one on the most selfish level. That seems like the best one for me. Yeah. There's an undertone of creepiness to it, but I'm not calling you a creep, man. <laughs> it's just like a little bit of like, hey, wouldn't it be cool? You could just like walk into your neighbor's house or whatever. No, I mean, I, I don't, my mind didn't go there immediately. I, I, mine uh, neither. I'm saying some people <laughs> might think that. Now, I'm not saying that, man. <laughs> Matt just wants to get into concerts for free. Absolutely. Smart. And Smart. I guess it, it would be fun to like, yeah, stay in businesses after they close or whatever, see what goes on in there. They turn the lights off and it gets dark. Yeah, but it'd be, wouldn't, it be cool? wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool to like run through the halls of my high school? No, to like run through like, an, <laughs> sorry, to, to run through like a aisles of Target, like if it's all dark and stuff, you could have fun we, with that. We, we live in Minnesota. You could probably like ask, like, can you guys turn the lights off really quick? And then I'll just run through like when they close. And like, it's a Minnesota nice thing. You're just assuming that they're yeah. like, yeah, no problem. Just tell them this is your dream. This is all I have. And can you pretend that I'm invisible right now? <laughs> Kyle, you seem like an invisible guy. Wow. No, 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 no. Oh. Definitely, definitely a flight guy um, for sure. But uh, also, the I, I think instant transmission is the better answer. But I was also thinking that character from Incredibles 2, uh, her name's Void, how she just creates basically yeah. portals. Uh, that, like, I would love to just be able to like... You have a portal at the grocery store and just pop into the grocery store with a portal. But that's like instant transmission is like a better version of that. But I don't like you. The end. The finish line is wherever you want it to be with instant transmission. But this gets back. Maybe I'm just thinking too much about moving for no reason. It's just that idea of like Sarah with the gravity is like, I think the portals might be kind of cool if you want to bring anything with you. Whereas Mm -hmm. instant transmission, you can touch Goku and go with him, but it's not like he can touch his couch and bring it anywhere. Right. It has to be a fit. It has to be a human. I don't know. I guess his I mean, clothes brought, go with him. He instant transmission to other people and sell. I think I bet he could do physical objects. Okay. That's a good question. I don't know. By the way, that's the, this is a nerd rabbit hole, but that's like the greatest weird lingering thing from Dragon Ball is he's like, yeah, I learned this. There's this whole species of alien that can teach you how to do instant transmission. Oh, well. And like no one else is like, give me the coordinates, Goku. Why aren't all the Z fighters going there immediately? This is incredibly the cheat code. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. L2 Larson says, Hey, Min Max, I'm loving the new Animal Crossing update in the DLC. Doing all of the work on my island has been, has even inspired me to tackle some projects around my house in real life. My question for y'all is, what is your favorite real life chore? Hmm. 
Mm. Uh, I like folding laundry because you can watch TV while you're folding laundry. And it's warm. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, I do a lot, I do dishes constantly. Like I'm, it's, I'm in a constant state of doing dishes and I highly recommend this. I bought a little TV and I put a Roku device in it right by the sink. So now I watch all kinds of great television sitcoms while I'm doing the dishes and I, and I get, and it's a much more pleasurable experience. You see, that's, that, that's really smart. I have like a little thing for my phone that I put up there, like a little stand. So I, yeah, I, I do the same thing. So I'm fine with dishes and, and like dusting and cleaning, you know, cause you're right. You just have the TV on the background. I hate folding clothes, but I'll do it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd say anything where I can watch TV and not concentrate on what I'm actually doing is my favorite chore. Yeah, I had this uh, small epiphany, um, and maybe this is idiotic, but like um, we have like a treadmill and like a stationary bike or something. I've been using those every morning, and it just feels like it is taking forever. But I realize it's just because I'm only looking at like the readout screen of like you're at 1.6 miles, 1.7 miles. Like, oh my god! And I'm used to listening to podcasts when I bike or run or anything like that. And it's like, oh, it turns out with stationary equipment, you just need to bring up YouTube or you need to bring up have a TV or something because you need something visual to distract yourself. So you don't just end up cutting it short because it's so excruciating watching numbers slowly go up, which is all you can do if you don't have something like that. So get a screen, everybody, please. Uh, strange sloth writes in and says, good day. CLCs. I remember a time when I was playing the first life is strange. and was really hyped about it. I was in the living room and my girlfriend and her uncle were watching me. Uh, they both looked at each other and said, this isn't a girly game. Wait, this isn't a girly game. This, I, is a gir- this is a girly game is maybe what they meant to write. Oh, they said, isn't this a girly game? There it is. I both looked at them and said games aren't meant to be played by a single gender. They're for everyone. Ever since then, my girlfriend felt really bad about saying something like that. Her uncle, on the other hand, is still in that boat. What do you think this stigma... When do you think this stigma that games are for boys uh, and pink is for girls will end? Will it be phased out with time? I feel like it's already phased out with younger generations. Yeah. Like, it's very much like an old, like when I was really little, like in elementary school, they would hand me like a packet of CD-ROMs that just said, games for girls. <laughs> and they were like, this is this is for you. I don't know what's on it, but they said that this is for girls because everything else was for boys. Right. Everything else was for boys. And now I'm older and I grew up thinking that, only girls played Animal Crossing and only girls played The Sims. And now that I'm older and I'm like talking to people, there's like boys who are like, oh, yeah, I played Animal Crossing and I played The Sims. Of course. And I'm like, where were you when I was being bullied for not knowing Halo lore in middle school? <laughs> where were you? Yeah. I so mean, it's definitely like a perspective thing. I mean, Kyle, raising a daughter, I mean, you probably have a good outlook on that. Do you still feel like culturally there is this push for girl games? No, no, I I don't think so. I yeah I sh- yeah it's a weird question. I I do I'm with Sarah. I think it's disappearing, and I think for her generation, it's it's almost gone, which is yeah. really exciting. Yeah, uh, okay. and I hope it's fully gone. But yeah. I mean, there's she definitely, you know, there's still, but it's it's all about just genres you like or don't like, as opposed to it being for gender. I mean, she still doesn't like you know, shooters and big, bold action games. But it's not because she thinks they're for boys. It's just because she doesn't want to fight stuff, you know? Hmm. Interesting. I, I think what's great is that you can you can go onto Twitch and you can just see people streaming everything, right? It just, there, there's no delineation when, you, when you're there of like, oh, well, I'm a girl, I have to stream this, or I'm a boy, I have to stream this. They just stream whatever game they want. And I think that's 
a huge sign that we are moving away from that, which is great. If yeah. not, we're all right there. Yeah. Andrew Molnar writes in and says, Hey, everyone, all the talk about Elden Ring got me thinking about how I've always uh, heard such great things about Bloodborne, Souls, etc. But when I tried Bloodborne, I hated it and put it down almost immediately. What's a game or movie or TV show or book that seems to be universally praised that you just can't get behind? Mine's also Mm. probably Bloodborne. Yeah. I literally tried for four hours to get through the first area. And I just backed myself into a corner as I used all my health items. And they were like, yeah, like, you're kind of screwed now. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I should just restart at this point and just be better. So, yeah. Didn't go back to that one. Twitch wasn't guiding you for that one? Don't you think they'd bring you along? They were, like, trying. But the issue with, like, the opening area of Bloodborne is that it is kind of sink or swim Mm. in a way. And it's just weird yeah. how you can back yourself mm-hmm. into a corner so fast if you just don't understand, like, if you don't pick up parrying fast enough, right, you don't pick right. up, like, the, using your gun fast enough, it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, Bloodborne's a game that gets easier as you go along. It's definitely hardest at the beginning because you're learning all those mechanics. Yeah. Does anybody else have something that the universally praise that they don't like? I mean, for me, uh, I have never gotten into, like, a Fortnite or Overwatch or anything like that, even though it's universally beloved by a lot of people. Um, I just can't really, with, with, with the limited amount of time I have these days, uh, because of all kinds of silly adult stuff that I have to do, like jobs and things, like you just, you ha- it's one of those things where you have to, on any of those like massively like online games, you have to get in, you have to just like master it quickly or else you'll just never be able to catch up. And I just, so I've never been able to get behind that. Um, and then also Assassin's Creed, sorry, Kyle. Uh, I've just never been able to get into <laughs> World's I, am i an am i a noted assassin's creed fan I kyle you I'm did a pretty good job on that quiz i think you're i think you're a real champion what we'll about like update the wiki what about like uh final yeah, fantasy 14 right. matt like you, if you got that final fantasy love were you tempted by 14 at all that so, a lot of hours yeah, yeah. so so I, I was i i've i've been a final fantasy fan like since i don't know since the beginning since the 80s right and I was so excited for 11 when it was first coming right, out right. and I just, I just couldn't get into it. Now that was probably also technical limitations of the PS2 trying to be an online gaming system and stuff oh, like that. And then I tried again on 14, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There's just not enough time, unfortunately, to put into it. Um, but I love what they've done with it. I love how 14's reinvented itself and, you know, really had such a massive change curve to, to, to be able to come into a, the place that it is now and how it, like amalgamates all like uh, aspects of previous games. Like there's a huge Final Fantasy VI like part of that game, which I'd love it's like to Magitech see. Magitek in there and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because because that's my that's my favorite game of all time. Um and so I'd love to. I just don't have the time to dedicate to it. Yeah, totally. Uh well, yeah, they delayed it by a couple weeks, so you can now have more time to get <laughs> ready to jump in. No. Was that devastating, Sarah? Two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was very devastating. Those I mean, I was planning on my Thanksgiving vacation. Being the Final oh, Fantasy Fortune yeah. update, and then they pushed it, and I was like, "No, <laughs> family time! <laughs> what am I gonna do now?" But I think I'll—I have some stuff to, you know, finish up still. So I guess I'll just do that. Just check <laughs> things off my Final Fantasy fourteen list. Oh boy, um, mm-hmm. is Final Fantasy fourteen? Do you think like your favorite Final Fantasy game, Sarah? Honestly, it kind of is. Yeah. But I also really liked Final Fantasy uh, Advanced Tactics for the Ooh, Game Boy Advance. Interesting yeah. choice. Yeah. Um, I really, that's my favorite Final Fantasy game. But Final Fantasy 14, it's just, 
I think it is my favorite Final Fantasy game, and it's the one that I put the most hours, and I have like more than three hundred hours in it. Yeah, as you need to get through the entire, you know, all the expansions. But right, right. Yeah, Oof. very good. Very good. Uh, Captain Cobblepot has a really sweet comment. Um, maybe it's indulgent, but they just say, "Hey, new to the Minmax Patreon and Minmax content altogether. Happy to be led here from the Easy Allies Trivia Tower episode with Michael Huber." Uh, overjoyed to be here and looking forward to binging a bunch of those deepest dives videos shortly. No question. Just wanted to share a positive message. Thank you, Captain Cobblepot. Nice of you to be here. We appreciate new supporters. Uh, Tanner Methven writes in and says, Hey, Minimax crew, what's your hoodie preference? Heavy or light? Zipper, no zipper. How big, deep should the pockets be? Uh, need that zipper. It helps. Yeah. Got to have the zipper light. Mm. I don't like a, I don't like a thick hoodie. Not for me. Really? Oh, see, I'm the opposite. Yeah. No, it's yeah. got to be like, it, I, I feel like cozy when I wear a hoodie, right? Not just like a light, lightweight thing. And I prefer no zipper. Zipper's getting in the way. Mm. I feel like the point of a hoodie yeah, you gotta is... You got to put it on over your head, and that's like... Yeah, yeah over the head, it's a lot. And like... It's, I'm a, I wear glasses. Maybe that's why it's, I consider it to be such a problem. Mm. I feel like, yeah, the point of a hoodie is you want to feel a little bit like you're wearing a blanket around town. Yeah. And so like the thicker, the better. You want it to be like some weird security blanket thing. There you go, Tanner. Uh, Mick Manga writes in and says, as a big One Piece fan, I'm cautiously optimistic about the upcoming live action show on Netflix, but I've got to know what Kyle, what is Kyle being he liked One Piece World Seeker? Think of the casting. You're now the biggest fan, Kyle. Yeah. No, I like One Piece a lot. I've, I've, I made it through, and there's what, like, I don't know how many episodes there are, but I made it through like a hundred or two hundred or so or something like that. Yeah. Um, sliver. Uh, I, the casting it's, which is very exciting for me is, I don't know any of those people. They're all like completely new to me, which has been, which is, but I was like, Oh, look, I could see that because I don't have any like history to place on them. Like uh, the guy who's playing spike and cowboy bebop, like it's right. going to be hard to not see that actor, but it'll be fun for one piece. Cause like they're all new people. So I'm just going to see them as the cast of one piece and just seeing their, their, there's like a little bit of video of them talking about it. And there's like a couple pictures of them, like I look at the cast and I'm like, these guys look great. I could totally see this guy as Luffy. I could totally see her as Nami. So I'm 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 excited. I want to see what this thing looks like. The the creator also seems to be pretty on board with it. Like he seems excited and is releasing statements and like drew art for them to have on their t-shirts while they're shooting the first season or is it a movie? Oh, wow. I don't know. I'm still unclear about that. But huh. but I'm excited about it. I want to see it. I'm more excited about that than I am Cowboy Bebop, but I am also excited about Cowboy Bebop. I I'm, I'm I'm excited to watch that too. Nice. Are have reviews hit yet for Cowboy Bebop? I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to be wrong. Uh, Tanner Hoisington wrote in and says, there have been a couple of extremely, I know no one cared about this, but I think it's interesting, so bear with me, please. Uh, it's about Jurassic Park, Sarah. No, uh, Tanner says, oh, nice. there have been a couple of extremely low-key releases from Square Enix in the last few weeks with big names such as Yoko Taro's Voice of Cards and Hiroyuki Ito, uh, the director of Final Fantasy VI, IX, and twelve, uh, their game Dungeon Encounters. Is there any new trend to be spotted here? Japanese industry legends are getting small projects greenlit. Japanese game marketing continuing to be confusing. I do think it's interesting that both of these Square projects were released within a month of each other, within a couple weeks of each other. And it's like, yeah, here you go, legends. Here's a little passion project. Have fun. And I know they didn't make the biggest splash and they're both kind of quirky and bare bones. But uh, Matt, have you seen that Dungeon Encounters game at all? I haven't, no. It's I'm really, though. yeah, it's really wild. So it's Ito who, what, left in the middle of 12's development? Or am I thinking of another Final Fantasy creator? I might be. Um, 
I think I think I am. But it's just like a bare bones RPG where it looks almost like a tabletop game. And it's just like the numbers and you're just going around. There's no real story to frame this thing. That. Yeah, it's really wild. And yeah, Sarah, did you see Yoko Taro's voice of cards game? Did you look into that much? Yeah, I didn't. There's a demo out, right? right there was a demo right. out for Switch. Yeah. And I thought it looked really interesting. But like not interesting. It was like interesting and like, a, oh, like that's cool. But you're not, like, immediately picking it up and saying, like, I have to see where this goes. Yeah, totally. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know what is happening over there at Square. Maybe it is just, like, as indie games continue to rise, and even in Japan from, you know, some former big developers and stuff like that, maybe it's just they have so many projects they want to get into that they want to... I don't know, Sarah, is this naive to think that maybe Square is thinking that, like, eh, we got to keep these old-timers happy, let's give them a little passion project to get some spice back in their life. I don't know. I can't I can't imagine them just like giving them a project, but if it comes with some like seniority, they might just have more sway about what they can can and cannot work on. Mm-hmm. Um it could just be that they're trying instead of pushing one big game, like if there's some downtime or if maybe they don't have the entire team available, they're like, "Okay, you can make a smaller game with this team because everybody else is working on big game and we don't want you to not have anything to do." So you can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. Could be. I uh, Mark- think there were like pandemic games, maybe. Like, oh, that's interesting. It's hard to say. We'd have to see what comes out whenever we consider ourselves post-pandemic to see if the trend continues. But it is yeah. suspicious. I think hmm. that's a really good theory, Kyle. Is like the pandemic started. Everybody's working from home. What I'm can you work on? Thing. I think you are. I think this guy's smart. And I th- I, maybe it's just like, yeah, let's start with like bare bones, just game design, basically tabletop style stuff. That then we can bring into something later because it's tough, so tough to collaborate with a hundred person team or whatever. But anyways, uh, Mark Latart, great name, writes in and says, Hey, Mins and Maxers, Battlefield 2042 is coming out soon, which begs the question, obviously, what is your favorite field of battle? Otherwise known as what is your favorite multiplayer map? Mine is library from Goldeneye on N64. All right. Uh-huh. Int- library. Interesting choice. That was actually going to be my pick. Library? Why library? I I love that. I love that. No, library because, okay, so it was library included stack, right? And stack was just the bottom level or something like that. Wasn't there like two of them? I forget. I'm pretty, I'm whatever, whatever the one I'm pretty sure is library. And then like you had the underground. We just, we just always played facility. Is really yeah. Always yeah. Facility? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, toilets are funny. Yeah, for a minute. That was yeah. fun. Honestly, okay. it's absolutely just toilets are funny. So let's keep playing facility. Well, it was it was either library for us or it was caves because it was so dark. Uh, and it would, we always do caves, pistols only, and then negative 10 health. So it's like it's not quite one hit kill, but it's almost. Right. Uh, that's good. And it, yeah. And it would just be it just be like crazy. And we'd spend literally like I think we did once overnight, like first to 500 or something like that. Oh, my God. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was fantastic yeah there's something about yeah the n64 stuff that when i think my favorite maps i go back to that immediately too like i think of obviously facility and then i I go to perfect dark and there's a map called ravine in perfect dark that i really love it's kind of big and it's also in like a dark cave but using the fly-by-wire rocket the slayer rocket in ravine is like my favorite peak gaming on n64 and i don't think maybe i just like the best space to use those rockets in, and that's the best map for those rockets. And I would backdoor my way in. I don't know, Kyle. You got a favorite map? Yeah, hang them high from here. Oh, of course. Uh, mm. Which is like it's a little bit of just nostalgia. Like that was the one we always went to. But I think there is good design there, and that there's a little portion that it really benefits people who like shotguns and melees. 
if you want to risk it, you can go out into the open and there's like a sniper reward up there. Like it's like it's not so big that you can't instantly see where everyone is at all times, but it's also feels small like it and it, it just affords a lot of different play styles depending on where you are and so I've, I've always loved hang them high yeah that's a good pick sarah did you have a thought on yeah. this yeah i do um, <laughs> mine doesn't uh align with yours i think i misunderstood the assignment but like my favorite multiplayer map of all video games was the kirby air ride city trials <laughs> oh, which okay. was an open map mm. that you drove around on your little kirby cars in and you had to like collect upgrades for your little Kirby cars. Yeah. And they would give you hints about the type of event that would be occurring after like the time limit was up. So is it going to be like a flying race? Is it going to be like an all out brawl in the middle of a stadium? Is it going to be like a, like a speed race? And you kind of have to create your own car. Huh. And then at the very end, they'll throw you into something and you'll be like, like I put everything into power and we're supposed to be flying and you fly five feet and then crash. Uh. But like, that Kirby Air Ride City Trial, like, I dumped so many hours into it with my friends. Huh. I the best map of any video game cool. ever. Awesome. All right, I gotta play it at some point. Uh, I'm it up. Justin Ray writes in and says, you can choose one console library from each generation and are not allowed to play any games from the other consoles. Which would you choose? So you're locking it off forever, moving into the future. Kyle, Super Nintendo or... Sega. Super Nintendo. Well, hang on. It's interesting. <laughs> they don't say Genesis. They say Super Nintendo or Sega. So oh, yeah, maybe Super Nintendo. Over- I mean, this 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 thought experiment is like, what gaming setup did you have as a child? <laughs> is, is I guess question, I guess that's right? true. But really, all Sega <laughs> but yeah, consoles. No, but but Super Nintendo. Went, yeah. Uh, pretty handily. Yeah. All right, Matt. PlayStation or N sixty four. Oh. oh. Uh, ultimately N64, but, but, but only because of the amount of, uh, time that I had playing multiplayer with my friends, I just couldn't give that up. I love Final Fantasy VII. I love Metal Solid. I love all those. Right. But GoldenEye and Mario Kart and, you know, Blast Core, even like all those games are just so great. And you can still get your RPG fix with things like quest 64 yeah quest 64 yeah. and probably paper mario your and, favorite oh, game paper mario Winback. of course yeah hell yeah uh sarah okay this, yes. is, this is a layup ps2 xbox GameCube. yeah gamecube congratulations uh <laughs> kyle uh kyle ps3 360 or we oh you know i i think i gotta go 360 yeah i think yeah it's tempting that's, that's to not want to go that what i played the most yeah okay but that was tough that was tougher it's tough all right matt ps4 xbox one or wii u and switch we, oh they had to bundle oh them. no wait oh all right that's a curveball <laughs> yeah because it would have been ps4 otherwise mm. uh probably still ps4 all right there you go justin there are your answers take him to the bank all right, that's it for community questions. We now we have to pick our favorite, which is very tough because they win a wonderful prize from my mate Ben. Uh, Matt, did any stand out to you? Um, I liked the question around like um, uh, about like ever being embarrassed because you're a gamer. Mm. Um, I, I I really like that good. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, I like it. Everybody else like that one? Lock it in. All right, there it is, Thomas Darnick. Congratulations, uh, you won Manifold Garden on the Switch. Thanks to iMapit, we'll ship that out to you. Thanks so much to everybody who submits a question over at Patreon.com/slash/MinMax with two ends. Uh, now it's time for something called Get a Load of This. Uh, did you have a little tidbit or something to share, Matt? 
Yeah, sure. I get a load of this. So um, I was uh, rewatching some amazing min-max content yesterday, <gasps> as one does before being on a podcast, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, and I, one of the things I was rewatching was um, your reactions with uh with jeffem to all of this smash brothers uh oh sure yeah uh, reveal trailers which are just amazing so um good. i love that um and the very last thing you watch in that is the trailer for the new home alone movie oh yeah right yes home <laughs> which is home just alone. it's just ridiculous and i love that you spend like 10 minutes concentrating on the fact that that flower bag is cgi and uh <laughs> and it's just like a constant shot of like him getting hit in the uh, in the crotch that's that. right that's um, right but um but my but my my thing was there was some com- like comment on i guess the uh the live stream whatever you're doing uh which made you say something about buzz's girlfriend right woof. and you said woof right yeah, there we are exactly <laughs> uh and i remember uh reading that um chris columbus the director was like so afraid of offending any girls um, with that line that he had one of the production or, or cast members sons dress up as a girl for that photo, that, which I thought was really, really interesting. That is better, I guess, than casting ugly women. Come on yeah. down for this new picture. Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. Huh. I just thought that when I watched that yesterday. Yeah. That new movie is coming out. I think like this Friday or something like that. And there's a, there's a sick twisted part of me that wants to watch it. Pete Holmes is the father, Kyle. I mean, What's not to love? I saw a trailer. That kid was great in um, the Taika Waititi movie. Yeah. What the heck was that movie called? Uh, something Rabbit, right? Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Great movie. And he yeah. was great in it. Well, there we go. Uh, Kyle, you want to go next? Yeah, get a load of this. Mine's actually kind of similar to Matt. Similar to Matt's. Is it's just kind of a, a factoid that I learned recently. I don't really have a specific link for it or anything. I mean, kind of went down like a Monty Python rabbit hole recently. Rabbit. Netflix has a good doc. (laughs) Netflix has a good documentary just diving into their history. And I was like rewatching the meaning of life and, and something that really sort of blew my mind and stood out in that documentary is that, you know, they did the first series or the second series and it's was starting to gain momentum and be popular. And, and apparently the way the BBC worked back then is they just wouldn't buy new tapes and they would just recycle tapes and tape over things. What? And they were set to tape over, like, the first two series of Monty Python. And they just, through the grapevine, the guys heard about it, just, like, casually. And so one of them went and offered to buy new tapes for them <laughs> in order to... And they, you know, they're like, look, just give me these tapes. I'll buy you new tapes. Don't delete monty python and he just kept it in his house and then years later when it was like you know continually blowing up and getting more pop more and more popular when they wanted to re-air it they had to go to him and be like hey can we borrow your tapes that we almost deleted oh my and god it just, wow it just blows my mind that like the monty python could have just been deleted because the bbc didn't want to buy new tapes like it just it just like made my eyebrows go like oh my god thank god someone went in there and just was like can i please buy those from you that's <laughs> like, so mind-boggling it insane. that's crazy but anyway so that was my get a load of this that's good uh hey get it, a load it of makes this me oh. value what uh, frank cefaldi is doing even more you know yeah um, uh, frank cefaldi if you're not familiar he's the number one money python fan um yeah. steven Totillo. Get a load of this, everybody. Steven Totillo tweeted recently, um, you know, uh, everybody's having their big earnings calls, everything like that. Uh, But he tweeted, why do the big players in the industry love making live service games? Look how much more money EA makes doing that than just selling a game directly. 
Uh, and this is a breakdown from their earnings call. And I feel like even last week on the podcast, we were talking about living games and the conversation with Leo is kind of like, eh, maybe they're kind of fading away. Um, but there are stats here for gaming from EA in 2021. And so this, these numbers are in millions of dollars, which is confusing, but they made $1,911 million from full games. And then from live service and microtransactions, they made 4485 So they're also projecting 2022. This isn't too much different from what it was, but uh, 2022, 70% of all their games profits are coming from live service. Uh, so if anybody is hoping that that stuff's going away, keep dreaming, kids. Mm-hmm. The future is whales. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, you got one for this week? Oh, yeah. Get a load of this. Uh, in celebration of the Animal Crossing update, finally releasing gyroids to the game, which are present in every single other Animal Crossing game, I have some gyroid fun facts for you. Please. Apparently, gyroids are inspired by Japanese clay figures called Haniwa, which were made for ritual use and buried with the deceased between the 3rd and 6th century AD. So when you dig up a gyroid in Animal Crossing, you gotta think, like, did I just dig up a body as well? (laughs) And then also, some of the gyroids are, like, NPCs, right? Like Lloyd, and they can talk and they can interact with you, which, like, leads you... And some of the villagers say things like, some of my best friends are gyroids, leading (laughs) us to believe that gyroids hold some degree of sentience. Mm. So those are your fun facts. As you're imprisoning them in your basement. Yeah, to sing, to dance and sing for you forever. (laughs) Only to Bubblegum KK. Okay, of course, of course, of course. Um, Hey, get a load of this from the community. Uh, We have a Discord where everybody's sharing these all the time. Bunch of fun facts. Uh, uh, Leafeon, the pizza turkey, shared a story from Polygon written by one Ana Diaz uh, with the headline, Unpacking Players, which is that new indie game. Unpacking Players Keep Mixing a GameCube Up with a Kitchen Appliance. Uh, apparently, there is like a GameCube, pixelated GameCube in this game that's all about unpacking things. You have to choose where everything goes. And everybody keeps putting this thing that is the GameCube in the kitchen because they think it's a kitchen appliance. And there's quotes from the developers in there that are like, yeah, I don't know. We get so many people reaching out confused about what this is and everybody just confusingly puts it in the kitchen. It is not supposed to go in there. It is supposed to be a GameCube, everybody. But it turns out, Sarah, well, that there's a bunch of young people playing games and they don't yeah. know about the past. They don't know about a GameCube. Right. What color is it? Is it purple? It's, it's purple. purple. It's, it's very purple clear. GameCube. Very yeah. clear. Uh, that, that game's uh, big in, that, in my house right now, and my daughter was certain the DVD player was a waffle maker, and she was getting frustrated that it wasn't accepting it. She doesn't, doesn't know what a DVD player is. When, when was the last time she used a DVD? That's so weird. I want to play that game. Uh, it seems really great. Yeah, I want to play good. it, too. It's, it's very good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. That's it, everybody. Thank you so much. Matt, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. It's been amazing. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Not really. Charity? No. Charity? <laughs> uh, 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 no, not really. <laughs> just All right. Just, uh, just, just thanks for everything you guys do. You guys are amazing. Um, make sure everyone listening supports MinMax as much as you can. Oh, in please. Every, every facet, right? Um, because it's, it's just brilliant what you do. Just your whole mission and the content you create. So thank you very much. You're too sweet. That's very kind of you. Too nice. Too nice disgustingly kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care for it. Um, let's see. Thanks for the big donation. I mean, that's huge. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I was, ha- I was happy I was, I was able to do it. Absolutely. Not just to be on this with you, but just, uh, just in general. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And are you a big Nintendo Online fan? Because we're looking at your wonderful shelf of wine behind you here. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I, I love that show, and I hope that uh, it's continued to be rated uh, or ranked number one in each one of your uh, polls, yeah. because uh, especially uh, seeing Sarah's reaction to, uh, to Echo the Dolphin. Uh, <laughs> was was amazing. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. You need to have a couple glasses of wine in you before you check out Echo the Dolphin and try and wrap mm-hmm. your mind around what that game was. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but anyways, Patreon, everybody. That's how this whole thing is supported. And just a heads up that we have Trivia Tower, the new episode of Trivia Tower, the new competition in Trivia Tower, the new installment of Trivia Tower, however you label that. It's coming up Monday, November 15th. This is video game trivia, everybody. If you jump in and support us on Patreon at that $2 tier, you get a link to the Discord. It's literally one click away. You can play it in your browser, and then you can compete in video game trivia to win wonderful prizes. We have game codes for Inscription. A lot of people saying that it's game of the year. We have game codes for Inscription. We also have game codes for Among Trees. We have, for the first time ever, a physical prize, which is you can win the tabletop game Dust Biters which is one of my favorite tabletop games in years. It is absolutely excellent. Um, and as our special guest co-host for this episode of Trivia Tower, we have Brittany Blombacher from What's Good Games joining us, who really cracks me up. So that should be a wonderful show. So get her for that. You can prove that you know a thing or two about video games or just help support the concept of Trivia Tower in general by supporting us at that $2 tier. It'll be a fun Monday night for you, we promise. Um, also, thanks everybody for following us on Instagram. We've been giving away, specifically Brian Vore, who's handling social media for us, has been giving away a ton of codes. Uh, we gave a code away to Osh VW last week for Jet the Far Shore. And this week we're giving away a code of uh, for Aliens Fireteam Elite on PlayStation 5. All you have to do, follow MinMax Show on Instagram. And we have a post up every Thursday saying, hey, the new episode of the podcast is live. And it's a bunch of our faces looking all pretty and stuff like that. And all you have to do is leave a comment on that post and you are automatically in the running to win a copy of Aliens Fireteam Elite on PlayStation 5. It's a real piece of cake. Plus, we also have an ongoing giveaway for two Fixture S1s on Instagram as well. You can find the post that reads MinMax Giveaway, uh, and all the details will be there. So give us a follow. Check out those posts. We have a ton of stuff to give away. And on Twitter, we also have more giveaways. Congratulations to Fabian for winning the Twitter giveaway for Cooking Companions. And this week, we're giving away a Fixture S1 as well on Twitter. So it's going to be a custom fixture S1. So on Twitter, there's a tweet asking for your suggestions for a design for the layout and design of this custom fixture S1. So give a uh, design suggestion there and then you're in the running. You could potentially win this thing. So give us a follow on Twitter is the core message here. Sarah, do you have anything to plug? Um, just my Twitter account, which is at Sarah pods and my Twitch account, which is also at Sarah pods. We play lots of games. We do, do lots of fun stuff. There it is. What a fun time. Kyle, please plug something, Kyle. Uh, watch my Elden Ring video. Yeah. I'm proud of that. Kyle edited cool, a video, everybody. Next. Check it out. What I'm doing next. Was it, uh, was it fun? Nice. Did, it feel, did it feel invigorating to make a video like that, Kyle? Yeah. No, I really did genuinely. It was fun. I, I enjoyed doing that. I miss doing that. I, it is time consuming. It's not something I, I think that I'll be doing a ton. Yeah. But uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Nice. It is nice. I felt your pride in that video for how quickly you were diving into the comments and like responding to people's comments and stuff and saying, yes, it was nice. Even if the comments were you just saying, no, actually I am good at this game. You're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm no, I'm not gonna try to pretend I'm great at from software. Games, no, everyone in the comments. literally footage you can watch of me playing. Yeah, everyone was very nice in the comments. So thanks for checking out that video of Elden Ring's yes. game, Elden Ring gameplay with Kyle. Um, and thank you to everybody who supports us at the fifty dollars tier. The thank you crew over there on Patreon. Ooh, new names. Y'all ready for this? Some new names. Uh, thank you to DivergeCoffee.com, Andrew Ukrowitz, Oppa Switch on Xbox, Chris Shakes, True King Music, Fixture Gaming's Fixture S One. I am eight bit. I am eight bit. <laughs> I should get used to saying that. Ludwig Roque, Zachary Pliggy, Andrew Valla, Beaten Down Brian, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Jawar Hello, Mercurico Torreno, Mark Selga, John Higby, Call Me by Your Game Podcast, Drew Honest, Dan Valone, Starkiller, Ted Riser, Clemens Zobel, Steve Bamdad, Purebred Number Six, Spider Dan, Prethemir Legata, Spiral in Your Eyes, and General Nadine Ninety Nine. Thank you so much, everybody. Matt, do you want to say be good, have fun, let's go? Uh, sure. Okay. Be okay. Good, let's fun. Oh, okay. Okay. Ready? Oh, okay. You ready? And action. <laughs> Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Thanks, everybody. There we go. Thanks. Woo!